get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome in. It is Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN alongside former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. This is going to be Jamie's flu game today. Yes. That's what he told me as he walks through the door. And it is literally his flu game because, as we know, Jordan wasn't actually down with the flu. He was hungover. And so that's how Jamie's feeling this morning. Jamie, how you doing, man? Oh, my God. I'll tell you what. I'm getting older. That's all I can tell you. Got a couple of uh, glasses of the vino last night. Uh, when the vino disappeared, you know, I felt like a high school kid again. Or I shouldn't say that college, right? Because you know, no high school, you're not a yeah, baby. Not, so not college 21. kid, where once the wine was gone, I was like, ah, you know what? That beer looks pretty good. I'm gonna have one of those. <laughs> Only got one beer left. Wait, what? Okay, uh, maybe a little whiskey too to finish up the evening. That ah, worked out well. I got myself some new whiskey yesterday. Oh boy, was it delightful! And with the Woodford Reserve Rye, oh boy. That hits a little different. That is. That's a good one, though. You know, the whiskey, though, you got to be careful. I mean, I got to be careful with the whiskey because um, when I drink whiskey, you make a rabbit fight a bear. Okay. And that's not well, good. That's not good. So. I think what we were about to do, Jamie, might also make you feel like you're about to fight a bear. Oh, great. So, Jamie Rivers is a beautiful mind. And comes up with ideas and concepts that other people, frankly, aren't coming up with. If you've been listening to this show the last few months, you've heard about Fight Island before Fight Island ever happened. You heard about playing in Disney World before that was ever an idea. And then Thief Smith ran off with it. Now the NBA is actually going to be playing in (laughs) Disney World coming up in July or August. Well, Jamie... I hate to be the bearer of bad news. You have not heard this audio. You have not seen this story from what I understand. It's happened again, my friend. This is what I heard when I was listening to the Rizzuto show earlier today. Uh, Finally here, if live sports returns uh, without live fans, what's it going to sound like? Well, there's an app being produced by Yamaha, which I think is absolutely incredible. So you are going to be sitting at your house with the app on your phone, okay? All of a sudden, your team, the guy, there's a runner on third. All he needs to do is hit it. And get a base hit, and he pops up to the catcher. You pull out your app, you hit boo, and it starts booing in the stadium. <laughs> the guy hits a home run, you hit cheer, it starts cheering in the stadium. That's yeah. awesome. So it's virtual cheering. Virtual cheering, virtual booing. There's wow. going to be a bunch of different options. Yikes, Ribs. Screw you, Yamaha, for one thing. I guess it's a damn foot race now. 
Yeah. The good news is Yamaha was listening to our show, right? I, uh, well, there's another app that's being developed <laughs> right now, too. So I guess it is a foot race. We've got some pretty big people involved in it at the same time. So this could get interesting. Jamie literally discussed this, what, two days ago? Yep. I did. I should have shut my mouth. I knew it, too. I got nasty texts from my partner. And this came, I'm reading this story. It is from Game Ye2. It's a something coming out of the UK, I guess. Smartphone app to allow fans to send virtual cheers and jeers to sports stadiums. And this was written yesterday morning. It's crazy. <laughs> yesterday morning. Well, we had, I, I, I documented it on our show. I'm like, this is the date. This is the time. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. I think we have a mole in what the one of the right studios. Now. We have People a mole. Fight Island, Disney World. The damn smartphone app went viral. Has anybody questioned Mike Ryder? Because he usually is sitting in the other room just listening. Yeah, no kidding. Do we have a listener that is sending this stuff? Like, they, they just pull clips from our show, and they're like, hey, send this to somebody and get it to the right people that's heard. Because we're clearly incompetent. We can't actually make that stuff happen. I couldn't figure out how to get my idea of Disney World, you know, to the people that needed to hear it. You couldn't get your idea of Fight Island to Mark Cuban or to Dana White. We don't know how to do these things because mm-hmm. we are not competent human beings. But apparently there's somebody out there that is, because they're stealing all of our ideas. This one has me pissed, for real, though. This one has me pissed. I can see it on your face as you literally need to roll the brake. I may need to take a lap here. (laughs) Jamie, as we were listening to the audio, put his head into his hands, crouched and bent over the way that you would see like a guy that just had a 70 yard touchdown pass go over his head as they lose the Super Bowl. That's what Jamie just looked like here in the studio as we were listening to that audio. We had meetings yesterday, too, about the app with the app developer itself. So. Like I said, I guess it's on like Donkey Kong. Maybe we'll just have to uh, build a better app. So Yamaha said a recent test of the system at a 51,000-seat stadium produced a sound similar to that of a live crowd. They developed or deployed 58 speakers at a stadium for, uh, it appears this is a soccer stadium that they're going to be using this in. So, yeah, uh, I I think... They are a little bit ahead of you, unfortunately, Jamie. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but um, I think they're going to beat you to this one. I'm going to kill someone. <laughs> it's 11.06. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. On the bright side of things, Ryan O'Reilly is a trendsetter, man. Ryan O'Reilly said, you know what? I got to get all the way up out of here, up out in Buffalo. And now... Others are starting to follow him. Listen, I'm fed up with the losing, and I'm fed up, and I'm frustrated, and you know, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely not an easy pill to swallow right now. It's, um, it's been a tough couple months. It's been a tough, uh, it's been a tough five years with, uh, with where things have went. So, um, you know, I'm a competitor. I want to win every time I go on the ice. I want to win the Stanley Cup every time I, you know, start a season. You know, I've already started preparing for next season now. I'm already back on the ice. I'm already training. I'm already doing things to try and better myself for the, you know, start of next season whenever that is. That's Jack Eichel. He's pretty good at hockey. And yeah, he is. the Buffalo Sabres gave him an eight-year, $80 million contract because, you know, he's really good at hockey. And he's the captain. He's two years into this thing. Two years. This is the second year of his eight-year, $80 million contract. He hasn't been over 500. 
the team since 2012 2013 has not been over 500 five coaches in that span since his rookie season the team has finished in sixth in their division twice seventh in their division once and eighth in their division twice I can't imagine being a fan of a team like the Sabres, where first you see Ryan O'Reilly shipped out of town, and now he's a Stanley Cup champion. And we'll see. I don't know if this is ultimately going to end with him getting traded, Jack Eichel. But it certainly seems like he's taking a page out of the Ryan Mm -hmm. O'Reilly playbook right here. I tweeted it out last night. I wrote something just trying to be funny. I'm like, well, I guess it worked for Ryan O'Reilly. Why not shoot your shot, Jack Eichel? You know, Um, look, guys, I don't know what's really going on in Buffalo because the management has changed. The ownership is tremendous. From what I hear, the ownership, the Pagulas are incredible owners. They run the Bills. They have the Sabres. Uh, they've, They've gutted that franchise. They have a new general manager. They have new scouting staff. They have a brand new head coach, Ralph Kruger, who is a tremendous head coach and communicator. Uh, I don't know what is going on. If the organization is just kind of cursed or maybe they're still in transition of getting rid of the trash from the previous regime. I know Jason Botterill uh, was just backed uh, out in the media yesterday, I believe, or the day before by ownership saying we're going to keep him and, and let him continue down the path that he's on. They are improving. Okay. I mean, they are getting better as a team, but they got to turn this around, man, because something there's bad juju around that 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 locker room somehow. When you got Ryan O'Reilly, who's one of the best guys ever in the NHL, one of the hardest working guys ever, and have we ever seen Ryan O'Reilly not compete on a play? That's It doesn't exist, right? And he was tired of being in a bad environment there. Now Jack Eichel, who's one of the premier stars in the NHL, a young stud of a hockey player, he's your captain, and now he's in there sounding like the flag is at half-mast for him and that he's just like depressed and out of it like that's not a good look for your team it's no it's no coincidence too that he's saying this and it sounds like ryan o'reilly because he is who jack eichel skated with when he came into the league ryan o'reilly said that jack eichel was one of the best guys he got to work with in buffalo Mm -hmm. took him under his wing out there skating like he does with robert thomas on a daily basis in st louis it's no coincidence that Jack Eichel saw what a guy who he was working out with did when he voiced these concerns. It wouldn't surprise me if Jack Eichel's trying to find his way out. Here was another quote from Eichel. Quote, it adds to the frustration that you can't even get into the 24-team playoff. Our goal at the beginning of the season wasn't to make the 24-team playoff. It was to make the 16-team playoff. <laughs> yeah, I could see how that would be frustrating. All right, we know how these Army trades go, right? I'm not suggesting that they're going to be able to get Jack Eichel. It seems like a long shot, to say the least. Ten million a year is quite a bit to pull up here, but Blackhawks. But let's play the game. Let's go. Let's have some fun. What about Jaden Schwartz, who we've talked about? Next year might be the final year here in St. Louis, right? Jaden Schwartz, Tyler Bozak, and a first-round pick. I mean, I would do that deal. If I'm Doug Armstrong, I do that deal. If I'm Buffalo, I don't yeah, take that. I don't. If I'm Buffalo, I don't think I start the conversation until Colton Pareko's in the deal. Or Robert oh, Thomas. Yeah, or, Robert Thomas. or Robert what Thomas. Or Robert Thomas. about Clem, right? Clem Costin? Could he, we, he could could be, we work him into the deal? Here's the problem, guys. In recent history, and Army didn't do anything wrong. He made a good hockey trade with Buffalo, yeah. but it's turned out awful for the Sabres. No, it's, it's been great. No, <laughs> Vladimir Savoka has been average at best, where he barely played last Thanks year. Thompson's in the minor. Paige Thompson's taken two or three steps backwards in his development. Patrick Berglund, for personal reasons, uh, I feel bad for the guy, but you know he had a mental breakdown and, and quit the game. So 
this time around, you're not going to be able to give some yeah. accent pieces to the Buffalo Sabres. They're going to be like, listen, we're trying to build our franchise. We're giving you a franchise player in Jack Eichel. We need something in return that would equal Jamie that. Schwartz is a hell of a player. He is, but he's coming up to an unrestricted free agency, which means Buffalo would have to. I got to be honest with you. I don't know if Buffalo or Philadelphia even picks up the phone if Doug Armstrong calls him. Yeah, they After might what run. he's done. They might have him blocked. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Do you think that's possible? Like, at this point, is it just impossible for Army to trade with Philly or Buffalo because of the perception from those local fan bases if they were to make a deal like this? Uh, you know what? Here's the thing, right, is it takes two to tango. And so Doug Armstrong, in both cases, offered up good hockey trades. People forget about some of the ancillary pieces to the Braden Shen deal. There right. was a first-rounder involved in that. And Yuri Laterra had had himself a great rookie season, a so-so sophomore year. He wasn't terrible at the time. Now, we didn't realize he was Scarface over in Europe and he had some cocaine ring going on. Might appreciate him a little bit more. Yeah, I thought he, quite honestly, I thought he'd show a little more energy knowing <laughs> what we know now. But based upon that, you know, Army's offered some pretty good trades. Well, and, and that first round pick with Laterra turned out to be Morgan Frost, who's yeah. a good, pr- pretty premier goal scorer for Philly. And Tage Tom with the Buffalo deal, um, you know, it's to be determined. I don't think he's going to be a star, but there's still a lot of upside to this kid. He's really, really, really early in his development. Saboka is what he is, and Patrick Berglund, that's just an unfortunate situation. So I think Army gets his phone calls answered. I think that people leave that phone call going, eh, you know what, I might need 24 to 48 hours to think about this long and hard. Make the call, Army. Make the call. Let's, yeah. let's see what's going on with Jack Eichel Hell up there. Yeah. I, I hear he's uh, I hear he's frustrated. Wow. He's making it known. You know it's bad when you make it known publicly just how frustrated that you are, right? That's when things really start to go south because you you know if he's saying this publicly, he has made these thoughts known internally. Oh, and in the locker room and to, oh, you know, yeah. whoever will listen, he's probably out there. And I'm sure Jack Eichel feels like this way of communicating is challenging the organization to make, create a better team around him. But sometimes it has a negative effect. Let's get him. Let's get him to St. Louis. Let's, let's get him over to the Stanley Cup contenders. I got an extra bedroom. Come on over, Jack. River With Jamie Circus Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up at 11:30, we'll dive into. Are we sure? But coming up next, I fully expect fans in the stands when the NFL returns in the fall. Fully expect it at this point. I'll explain why next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We have played a little bit with the social distancing concept, and we know that that probably would take us down south of, of 30,000 30, fans in the stands, actually closer to 20 to 22. So we play with that a little bit as a framework to start uh, as we move forward and, and think about what we ultimately feel out to do. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. That was Ohio State's athletic director, Gene Smith, a couple of weeks ago talking about, eh, you know, we could have 20,000 people in the stands potentially at our games this fall. And everybody kind of looked at him side-eyed like, what? Are you sure that's going to be possible? And the closer we get to football, the more and more likely that I'm 
I'm basically to the point at this point, Jamie, where I believe we're going to have, if not full capacity stands in the fall, I think we're going to see something close to it. So yesterday there were two significant stories on this line of thinking. First, Texas's governor says that outdoor sports can already this summer be at 25% of capacity. So Texas, 25% capacity this summer. Then the Superdome, where the New Orleans Saints play, suggested later on in the day their, quote, worst-case scenario, end quote, is 13,000 fans for this fall, with fans being socially distanced within the stadium. I think we are going to see fans in the stands this fall. That doesn't make it right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm not suggesting any of those things. I'm just saying I think that it is going to be so. I think we're going to see fans this fall in the football stadium. Yeah, I just about f- fell over yesterday when I was reading that and we are exchanging our text message. I shot that thing. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm reading right now. But, yeah, I mean, and we, we kind of called it a long time ago. We said if anybody's going to be the trendsetter, it's going to be football. They're going to make sure that they get their fans in the stands and 13,000. How much, how many people does the Superdome hold? Like 70,000? Yeah, I think somewhere around there. Okay. So it's a, it's a a pretty significant hit to their attendance, but it's still 13,000 fans that are going to be in the stadium buying beers and hot dogs and whatever, which that too is 74,000. 74,000. Okay. So yeah, I mean, about 20% of what their capacity would be otherwise. We don't do math on our show. Okay. Please. (laughs) I start to sweat. Um, But yeah, so I like the idea. And you know what? Why not be optimistic right now? I mean, the worst thing that can happen is when you get closer, you're like, ah, you know what? We're not ready for that yet. But at this point now, people are like, you know what? Maybe we will. And why not put a plan in motion that could support the idea? And then if you get to the finish line and you can't do it, well, at least you tried. You have something at least already made out so that you can advance that at another date. We are learning more and more every day just how important these fans of the stands are to these leagues. I didn't realize before all of this how what what portion of their revenue came from the gate, right? I thought it would be closer to 20 or 30% given how much money these leagues are bringing in now in TV rights deals. When they said 40% of their overall revenue comes from the gate, comes from people parking and going to games and then drinking their beer and eating their food and getting the merchandise when they're all, all of those sorts of things. I never would have expected it would be that high. So if you're the NFL and you're saying we can get 50% of that gate revenue this year, which is typically 40% of our overall revenues, you better believe they're going to sign up for Mm -hmm. that. Maybe it's not the full hundred percent of that piece of the pie, but they're going to sign up for as much of that as they can. Yesterday, I said on the show, I think the NFL, you said you think that the NFL got to do something creative, right? All these different sports are doing something new, different, innovative to be able to look a little bit different when they return. The NFL's difference, what they're going to differentiate themselves and college football, I think will follow this as well. How they're going to differentiate themselves from baseball, from basketball and from hockey, what we're going to see over the summer is just that we're going to have live sports again with fans. That's going to be the difference. They're going to be in their own stadiums with the fans in the stands, and it's going to be back to the environment that we all expect when we watch a football game in the fall. I think that's what we're going to see. Yeah, look, I I agree 100%. I think that, uh, you know, the revenue, I, I think the number one thing that people look at when they talk about attendance is, okay, the cost of a ticket, for a fan to be at the game, and let's balance that against the cost of our payroll. But that's not how it works, right? Like, you brought up the parking. You brought up the 
concessions, the merchandising, anything to do at all with that. Sometimes it's just the they have special shops in and around that area. We've seen how teams are building up little villages, hence, you know, Ballpark Village for our own uh, St. Louis Cardinals. But it's all that. So people going to the games doesn't necessarily mean that it's them sitting in their seat. It's everything that they do while they're in that area is what generates that revenue. And that's why I think it's so important to them. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show from the 314. Fans in the stands, in my opinion, is a very bad idea. I get where you're coming from. I really do. I don't know that owners care. I think owners are going to look at this and they're going to say to themselves, how much money is on the line for us? And if they get the approval from the local authorities, and that's what it's going to take. You need mm-hmm. you need the politicians, you need the governors, the, the mayors, all of these politicians in place to give you the go-ahead. And if they say it's okay to do so, as Governor uh, Abbott did yesterday down in Texas, if they say you can have fans in the stands, if you're an owner, what's the incentive not to have those fans in the stands. If you got the approval already, why wouldn't you? Well, is it really that bad of an idea, too? And I understand right now it looks like a bad idea because of everything that happened in the Lake of the Ozarks and people not socially distancing. But if you think about it, 74,000 seats and you're putting 13,000 people, you can spread those people out to where they're not even going to interact with each other. And at the end of the day, you're getting some gate revenue. And it's not like you're putting 13,000 people into two sections and then they're going to be next to each other the whole game. You're spreading 13,000 people out. Here's something, too, that I learned over the weekend. Okay, you brought up Lake of the Ozarks. Lake of the Ozarks made national headlines with their close proximity partying, we'll call it, okay? That's one way to put it. It was great, Ribs. <laughs> Whether you agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. It made national headlines. Yeah. And so I did a little digging um, just about all this stuff because I'm just curious like that, and sometimes I need something to occupy my brain. I found out that they weren't actually violating anything. Nope. They're not laws. Nope. So all these regulations and recommendations and, you know, these blueprints, they're not officially laws. Yep. So if a football team technically, okay, I'm not condoning this, but technically if they said, we're going to sell out 40,000 people, guess what? They're not breaking a law. Correct. Now, that might change. If they do it once, then the governors and the people can get together. I think it's different orders, though, locally. Like in Kansas City right now, there's still a certain threshold of if you go above this number of people, you can be reprimanded by the local government. You can be reprimanded, yeah, but you're not breaking a law. It's government by government. It's basically like ask for forgiveness, not permission type thing. And... So if that's the case, and with the incredible lawyers that these leagues have and loopholes that they're literally identifying daily with multiple things, I wouldn't be surprised if they just say, well, we don't care. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. Don't go. If you think it's a bad idea, just don't go. It's that easy. There's also that. You don't have to go to these games. Personal preference. If you have season tickets and you decide to yourself, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't want to go to these games. I don't want to be out there with 15, 20, 30, however many thousands of people that are going to be able to be in the stands. Then don't. Cancel your season tickets. It, it can be that simple. And I, I do understand that as well. I just, for the owners, the incentive is there for them to get these fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. And there is no real downfall in terms of economic or punishable downfall for them to do so. I did want to play one bit of audio because uh, Melvin Gordon, I think, made a few fans here in St. Louis yesterday. If there were no fans in the stands, he would certainly be somebody that could, uh, you know, rely on some of his previous experiences for something like that. Could you imagine playing in a football game with no fans? We didn't have fans 
Anyway. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Man, we didn't have many Charger fans at the game. I'm just being honest. We didn't have many Charger fans at the game. You know, I'm not missing anything. So, okay. I ain't really. It was crazy because uh, Pumps from the Steelers said that to his brother oh, on Instagram. And I was like, bro, he's not lying. <laughs> <laughs> the Chargers didn't exactly have a full fan, uh, full crowd going on in, in past years anyway. So this isn't going to be a big break from the norm for them if they're not going to have fans in the stands this fall. We joked about that with a couple of the NHL teams, the Florida Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes at times. They've been socially distancing in their crowd for a long time now. Panthers have been uh, putting in crowd noise for a really long time with their empty stadiums. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We're going to get to, are we sure? Next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you've got an, are we sure? Get that in now. We'll do it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's play a game of, are we sure? Hmm. Let's start with this one. This comes from the 618-65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in Are We Sure? Jamie, are we sure that you want to be on the Fastlanes team going up against the Rizzuto show? Absolutely. I don't even understand the fear of the Rizzuto show. I don't get it. Like, what? Because they do punishments and wear a Spider-Man suit around the office for a month or they don't shave or, oh, no, they got a nipple tattooed on them. Which like, is fantastic, come on. by the way. Like, some of us have died and come back on the other side of it. What am I afraid Damn right. of, okay? Damn right. Some of us have lived in Russia for a couple yeah. of years. You had the mafia knocking at your door. Then Riz show. What? That's like dust off my shoulder. Riz is, is a man. Is there no loyalty anymore? I'm here in the morning show over here saying, oh, yeah, we're all yeah. in on it's mornings together. Yeah. What? No, we're 101 ESPN. We're a team. A little We've irritated. Got our backs. Randy's flippy flopping all over yeah. the place. And then last night he's like, I'm not not cheering for the like oh, Randy, what are we doing here? You don't see Fandango and Lux deciding that they're gonna team up with the fast lane and ribs in BK. Nope. These are our brothers. Yeah. We go into battle with our brothers. Mm-hmm. Support. If Anthony Stalter gets in a fight, we're right there with him. I'm not even asking questions. If Chris Ronji gets in a fight, and we know he gets into a lot of them, we're going to be right there with him. Ooh, are we? If BT kicks a puppy, <laughs> I'm going to be there. If I'm and when. Kidding, Ronj, if I love BT you. kicks a puppy, we're going to say it was the puppy's fault. We'll probably have a talk with BT. Uh, we'll talk with him afterwards. Was a cat instead. Yeah, maybe it was just a stuffed animal. Yeah. And so I'll be damned if the Rizzuto show guys are going to be the ones that we back in this fight. Yeah. There's see, no way. Did you see those guys doing chin-ups? Really? It was pitiful. Oh, did my they, Did they actually do them? I heard they uh, talked Burton about it the other got day. One. Burton got one, and he's day-to-day now with an upper body injury. <laughs> Scott was their best one, I think. Uh, on the pull-ups. Well, Scott it, and Moon. Moon, but we couldn't see Moon. Yeah. It looked like maybe he was jumping up and down. The boys were blocking him out, so I don't know. I don't like pull-ups. I'm not a fan of pull-ups. Last time I'm I did a pull-up <laughs> was in an NHL training camp. And my shoulder popped out. 
That's why you stay away from pull-ups. Yeah, I was like, okay, um, when's the last time I needed a pull-up in the middle of a hockey game? And now my shoulder's out. This is just a great day. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line from the 314. It seems like 101 ESPN is going to the wayside like the Kansas City Chiefs, just breaking up right over the summer. I blame BK. There's some beef going on amongst the teammates right now. Listen, I will not take any of this slander. This is not my fault that we've got a morning show versus afternoon show beef going on right now. I'm still dumbfounded that our morning show is siding with another, not our own, like, not even our own team. They're scared. Isn't that? They're scared. I think morning it is. show is? Yeah, I, I think, think our, our morning show is scared of the repercussions. Yeah. They're being bullied. So they just got to jump to the show that they know can back them up because they're scared of the repercussions from well, the afternoon. The show they think. That's why I said. Can back yeah, them. They think can back them Randy's up. better than that. He's, no, he's a wily veteran. He's a grizzled vet. He should know better. See, we've all got that friend that we know is overmatched in certain situations, right? <laughs> Sometimes I'm that friend that is overmatched <laughs> in certain situations. And they get into a fight that you know they can't win. There's no way they can win. It doesn't matter. You've got to back that friend, yeah. especially when it's family. If it's your cousin, if it's blood, and this is blood for this us. This is blood. This is blood. This is blood. I, I can't believe that so, we've arrived at this point. I don't even know what we're doing yet, okay? Like, the Riz show, like I said, they're talking trivia dodgeball. Like, go ahead and make up and we'll more events, guys. And trivia softball yeah. or trivia dodgeball Whatever. or just trivia. That, that might not happen. Know, but that won't, that won't work. work. Yeah. Well, well, we have a lot of useless knowledge. In the studio of you. Well, yeah. Stalter is rough at trivia, and I love the guy. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. All of this is happening because BK thinks that Frank Gore isn't going into the Hall of Fame. That's very unfair. It could be it could true. Be. Could be you true. You might have set that off. The butterfly effect of Frank Gore. <laughs> that was the shot heard around the world from BK. Are we sure, here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN, are we sure that MLB owners want to play the baseball season in 2020, Jamie? Oh, I don't know. I think right now, if uh, if you could get the truth serum out and, and give each owner a little shot of the truth serum, I think you'd have like a 50% of them that would say, yeah, I definitely want to make this happen. I think other owners, because they are such rich business people, they're going to write it off as a loss. Take a loss. Take it on the books. Oh, well, no big deal. Let's get ready for the next one after that. I'm not sure at all that the MLB owners want to play. If they did, then, uh, man, it's it's May 29th. It's yeah. May 29th. And we've been told all along, well, there's June 1st, there's June 5th, 6th, 10th, whatever. Eventually, you got to get to those dates, and we're getting ridiculously close to them at this point. It is Friday, and Monday is June 1st. And so far, we've had one proposal, one real proposal for Major League Baseball to the players. Allegedly, we're supposed to get one from the players to the owners, but it's kind of like the owners where you just write it off and pretend that it never happened because there's no chance the owners well, already actually been leaked, look at it. Right? Yeah, Ten the, people have already leaked there's, the proposal. It's basically a fake proposal. So we are 72 hours away from what their first quote-unquote deadline was that we heard of, and there's been no real negotiation between the players and the owners. That's crazy to me. I can't, I cannot believe that we have arrived in this place where they're about to jump off this cliff together and nobody knows where it's going. They, they're going into the deep, dark abyss and we're, we're just 
pretending like it's fine. Everything's fine. I keep hoping that there's some, like, plan behind closed doors that nobody knows about, that they're actually moving into a direction of finalizing some kind of an agreement. I know that's fantasy land right now, but I, I just keep hoping that that's what's going on. Are we sure that the weather isn't telling us we just don't need this SpaceX launch? If you heard earlier this week, I believe it was on Wednesday, SpaceX tried to do their launch into space, their next mission, and it was canceled because of the weather. Now they're trying to do it again tomorrow, but it looks like there might be some weather. So that was the backup plan was tomorrow. And then if they can't do it tomorrow, they're going to try to do it on Sunday. Unfortunately, there's also bad weather planned for Sunday during that launch plan. Are we sure that this isn't the weather telling us, eh, just don't do this? This is some kind of a sign, right? <laughs> I don't know. If I'm if I'm that guy that's uh, or that person that's going up in the space shuttle, I think right now I'm going, ah, maybe, <laughs> maybe this isn't a good idea. Eventually the cosmos try to tell you things, right? Yeah. Like if, if you've tried to go to a Cardinals game seven nights in a row and all seven nights there's a rain out, maybe the Cosmos are telling you, don't go to that I'm Cardinals I'm selling those game. tickets. I'm giving them away at you that point. You can't go I'm to like, that Cardinals game. Yeah, there's a reason this is happening and I'm just going to take the signs, read the signs, and I'm out. Last one. Are we sure that Conor McGregor's next fight is not going to be against Anderson Silva? Now, if you haven't seen this story, Conor McGregor says on Twitter, he hasn't done so like officially, officially, but is on Twitter, that he's willing to fight Anderson Silva. Now, Silva is 45 years old. Mm -hmm. He has lost six of his last eight fights. He's also fought most of his career at 185 pounds, and McGregor has spent most of his career at 145 pounds. Are we sure that this is a good idea? It's a weird idea, to be honest. I mean, Anderson Silva is arguably top three greatest of all time mixed martial artists and he had a run that was unprecedented when he joined the ufc and was one of the toughest guys ever in the sport but yeah he's a 180 pound guy and mcgregor and mcgregor is trying to get back into like title contention with the ufc anderson silva is done like for all intents and purposes yep. he's retired he's out he's out of the game so to say so i don't know what what the big inspiration is there because usually mcgregor when he does something like this that's kind of like off the beaten path it's because there's dollar signs there right like the mayweather thing and so i don't get why he would go after anderson silva i mean there can't be big dollars there involved what do you win if you beat the 45 year old well you're supposed to win i wish i i think there might be big dollars there let, let me let me explain why bigger than like a, a khabib match bigger than you know what i'm saying yeah if those matches are there you go that route right maybe they're not there and that's why he's kind of looking yeah. to this path. I know who Anderson Silva is. I'm the most casual of casual UFC observers, right? I'll, I'll watch the big fights. I know the big cards. I know the top of the top names. I know Anderson Silva. Like, if you put a, a card together that includes Conor McGregor versus Silva, I know both of those names, and I'm probably going to end up watching mm. it. So the target audience for this is not somebody like you, Jamie, who watches most of the cards. It's probably more for someone like me who's like, oh, I forgot that Anderson Silva lost six of his last eight fights. I remember him as being the best of the best. And so would I be disappointed by the match? Probably, most likely. But I would buy it because at least then I know the names, and there's some 
there's some appeal yeah. there from a Q rating. I agree. I agree with that statement. I just think that it's weird that McGregor would want to do that. I understand why Anderson Silva would want to do <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, but for McGregor, like, there's Jorge Masvidal sitting out there. There's Nate Diaz again, the trilogy fight there. Like, there's a lot of stuff out there that probably make him more money than Anderson Silva. But you know what? There's always a reason for what Conor McGregor does. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. Jesse Rogers of ESPN.com is going to join us coming up here in about 15 minutes or so to talk about the latest with Major League Baseball. But coming up next, get your questions in on the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. It's time for questions and answers on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kiley. I've got a story about a bird. We'll get into that here in just a moment. But 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for questions and answers. Let's start with this one. Question for you, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the NHL decided on 24 teams for the NHL postseason? Just to make it even number, both sides. 12-12. I mean, uh, I think they probably looked at the amount of teams that were mathematically close enough, and then when you start to split hairs, and then you're wondering who could be upset about this, upset about that, I think the 24 just gives it a nice, even number, and keeps everybody happy. Probably, you have a couple teams on the outside that really shouldn't have been in the mix, but guess what? Now, you've got everybody satisfied. Well, in the 24, everybody's 500 or above. I think they're all above 500, because Chicago and were those last ones. Conspiracy theory Ferrario thinks that your two final big markets were yep. Montreal, mm-hmm. you get Carey Price, you get Montreal, the big market in Canada, and you get Chicago. That's the NHL saying, let's cut it off at 24. I think that's it. I, I do. Like, I... I think sometimes we make these more difficult than they need to be. Chicago's included. Montreal's included. That's good for the NHL. Yeah, if it was like two teams that don't get much gate or don't get much press at if all. that's Buffalo and... <laughs> Sorry, Jack Eichel. Here know, we go again. That's Buffalo and LA, I guess, is still a big market, but not mm-hmm. really for hockey. Buffalo I don't think they're and doing Arizona. It. They're not doing it. No, they're not doing it. You're probably... It becomes a 22-team playoff. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, it goes to 20. They probably would have dropped it to 20 yeah. at that point, but We're, still. We saw reports this morning from the NBA that they're doing something similar. Apparently, the NBA wants to make sure that whatever they do, Zion Williamson is included in the postseason. Because, of course, of course, if I'm I'm a basketball fan, I want to see Zion in the postseason this year. So it makes sense. I got no qualms with it. It's a weird year. Make sure that you get all your teams in and let's see where it goes from there. You know, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. I like this one. Uh, From the six. If you guys could draft your own Hubbard baseball team, all radio personalities involved, you got nine spots. What does your lineup look like? All right, let's start. Let's start with 101. So we've obviously got to have BT involved in this. Yeah, I would imagine BT would probably be the captain. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, I'm putting Stalter on the roster. He'd be on the team. Patrico would be on the team. Moon? Yeah, Moon Moon and King Scott, I think, are really good at softball from what I've what I talked to them. Good, Jeff Burton's a pretty good softball player. I'm a terrible softball player, so I'm excluded from this. Jeff Burton's a pretty good softball player. Yeah. yeah. Ribs, are you good at softball? I can go yard, baby. Okay, we'll I beat put- Mead in a home run competition when he was having a Can You Beat Meat? <laughs> 
I so can definitely eight. beat meat. So far, we've got BT. That's what she said. Staltz, Patrico. I'm going to power through this. <laughs> Couldn't get uh, to the Moon, King enough. Scott, Burton, and Rivers. What about yourself? You swing that? No, I'm terrible. You know, oh, we absolutely have, let's awful. not forget with Danny McLaughlin. Dan was a, a former baseball player. He's a college baseball player. So here's the problem. We I mean, basically just went 101 We didn't include the Arch or Casey or WIL. I bet you Favaz could play. Grew up on the hill. I'm sure he was outside all the time. But I'm just not sure. Yeah. I'm just not sure. I know Dan was like Learn, play. Learn might be a sneaky athlete. Learn could be a sneaky one. Lux might be too. Lux plays soccer. Oh, that's Lux might give you some speed on the base paths. What about Mason and Remy? Those guys look athletic. Big Cardinals fans, too. Hmm. Gotta think they know how I to play I think our ball. lineup is correct. BT, Staltz, Patrico, Moon, King, Scott, Burton, Rivs, and Danny Mack. That's our starting nine. I like it. I like it, too. If we hurt feelings along the way, guys, that's what being a general manager is all about. You got to do what you got to do, you know? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in questions and answers. I've got a story about a bird. This feels like the right time to do it. So yesterday, Jamie, I get home. Not to my home, but, of course, to my girlfriend's parents' home because that's where I'm living. Yeah, we'll right just now. call it your home. Yeah, yeah. My, okay. my home. Yeah. I'm the man of the house, as we've discussed. Um, Shots so, fired. Oh, wow. <laughs> we've discussed how very much not true all of that is. I so that one. I get home yesterday, and I am uh, I walk inside, do my normal routine. I'm getting ready to go on my run, right? So I walk back outside, open up the garage door, and suddenly you hear this flutter, this flutter in the garage. And I look up, I'm like, what the hell was that? It's a bird. A bird is stuck in our garage. Like I, an actual bird. And Yes, like a bird bird. The the one that sings the, a bird. Bird is the word? That's the one. So not Larry Bird. Well, a bird, bird, bird. Legend Larry was not in my garage yesterday. Okay. That, that would have been a much better either. story, though. Come on now. <laughs> we don't need to get back into that conversation. <laughs> so... I'm trying to get this bird, right? I'm going back and forth, and I'm like, I bet you this is going to be super easy. The bird will just fly out. He wants to get out of here, right? Not at all. Okay, so what are you... Let's... I'm, I want to dive into this story. Okay. So Great pun. As the bird is up there, what are you physically trying to do? Are you waving your arms? Correct, are yeah. You, I'm, I'm okay. like jumping up and down and trying to get this bird out Just of... making bird go, Ca-ca! Okay, now, <laughs> is there a certain element of fear in your brain that this bird could just come straight at me? A little bit, yeah. Yes, okay. it's a smaller bird, though, and so I know I'm probably going to at least live through this experience, even if he does dive bomb into me. <laughs> like, you might cry, but you'll be okay. Exactly. All right. Okay. Exactly what's going through my mind at that given time. All so, right. I'm, like, going from side to side in the in the garage, like, jumping up and down, trying to wave my arms and everything. He just keeps going from left to right and left to right, and he's not going anywhere else. So, I'm like, all right, screw this. I'm going to try to close the garage door. That's going to make this work, and he'll, he'll fly over there, and then I'll fly back and then I'll poof, right underneath the garage, right? So oh, I try that. The like, Hollywood exit. That's right. Okay, all right. I, I like tried that. it like 12 times. It didn't work. <laughs> so hitting the garage button. Good God. So Good God. We, we continued. Tried something new. I was like, all right, so I got to look around this garage to see if I can find something that I can poke up there, right? Because it's a ceiling that's probably 10 foot tall. Mm-hmm. I can't exactly dunk, so I, I'm not like reaching all the way up there. 
So I find something that I, it's like a windshield wiper thing that I can use to, to swing hit the bird back and with. forth. No, not hitting the oh, bird, just okay, to swing okay, up sorry. there. He's going to put some attention. air behind the bird. I'm, just, I'm trying to figure it out. You know? Give it wings. So I'm swinging around again. I'm like, this isn't working. He's just going back and forth. And at this point, I've been doing it for like 15, 20 minutes. So I go back to the garage door opener. I'm going to like, I'm in like a sprinting stance at the garage door opener. I click it. I run over. I swing at it. And we're trying this a few times. And it's like, okay, this might work, actually. This might I wish actually there was get this video thing out of this so bad. This bird has to be looking at you going, what is this idiot doing? So wow. I try that like three times. He's going like right above the garage oh, door. Yeah, but yeah. he's going in that direction, right? Yeah. So I try it one more time. We've got one more in us. I go over to the garage door opener. I smack that thing as hard as I can. I'm running over there with the windshield wiper. And I'll be damned if that bird didn't go right underneath the garage door. I won. Wow. I won that battle. It may have taken you me You really feel like you minutes. won that battle? I think the bird won that battle. Yeah. Bird gets, gets to go tell its bird friends about what this guy just did. I like the uh, the commitment to the process. It was great. Now, that's happened to me before where I've had a bird in my house. Yep. In the house. And I'm sympathizing with you what right you now. What do you do when it's in the house? That's well, even worse. I'm trying to do the hand waving yeah. thing. And then I figured it out. And it's happened to me a couple of times now. And this technique does work. So people at home, if you have a chance, grab a pen, paper, write this down. You, get a, you never know when you're going to be stuck never in a situation. Know. And if it's in the garage again, you take a big beach towel, okay? And most birds, when they go to take off, they don't fly backwards. They always go forward, yep. then maybe a quick turn and head back the other way. So you get right near it with the beach towel, and you just throw the beach towel straight up in the air. The bird takes off instinctively and flies into the towel. The towel's heavy, and it brings the bird down to the ground without hurting it. And now you just grab the towel with the bird. Out you go. Open the towel up. Bird goes off. We're all done. Couldn't have told me that when I texted you yesterday saying <laughs> I have a bird stuck in my garage. Well, I thought that 30 minutes. I didn't know that was in live time. I thought that we were like, we were done I with the bird. That was like, no, bird was in the I house. I sent you a picture of the bird. <laughs> yeah, but I thought, okay, this is what I'm dealing with right now. And then I thought you're just going to hit it with a tennis racket or something. 65780 is the air comfort service sex lead from the 636. Is BK bad at everything? I'm starting to think he couldn't even beat me. <laughs> Oh, I heard he can. Everybody has a shot at that. The answer to that question is yes. I'm I'm, I'm bad at everything. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, Jesse Rogers is an MLB insider for ESPN.com. He had the scoop with Jeff Passan on the players' reaction to Major League Baseball's proposal. What does he think about when we are actually going to see baseball? We'll ask Jesse Rogers next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by Jesse Rogers. He covers the MLB for ESPN.com, and he had the scoop alongside Jeff Passan on the players' reaction to Major League Baseball's proposal earlier this week. Jesse, how are you doing today, man? I'm, I'm doing well, guys. Hopefully you two uh, are as well down there in St. Louis. Good to talk to you. It's good to talk to you as well. So let's get started with the latest on what's going on with this back and forth. What can you tell us about where we are with this Major League Baseball negotiation? Yeah, I mean, it's not good. Uh, there's, there's a canyon between the sides, and they've got to somehow come a little bit closer to the 50-yard line, so to speak, here. The players will kind of counter-propose something here, and 
it's already been leaked that uh, they're going to try to add more games to the schedule so they can get paid more and um, ostensibly, you know, give give the the owners a chance to make some more money off of television revenue. I'm not sure the owners are going to go for that. Um, there's a theory that maybe the players would play 90, 100 games and only get paid for the 82. I'm not sure that's going to work either. There's another theory that maybe they play a, a shorter season because the, the owners prefer that, maybe expand the playoffs so they can make some money there. I'm not sure that's going to work either. Uh, they didn't start in a good place, though. That's that's the biggest issue. They needed to start a little bit closer to get this done. But ultimately, it's going to be an 11th-hour deal. So the things you hear now, yeah, it's a little nasty. Max Scherzer tweets. The owners give this sort of proposal that might divide the union a little bit. All right, that's fine. But what's going on behind closed doors? Well, I know on the union side, their, their lawyers and econ- economists are working seven days a week to come up with a plan of their own. And hopefully, like I said, they'll meet at the 50-yard uh, line before a drop-dead date is. And I think that date would be sometime in mid-June. They've got time. They've got time. But um, I, I, it just doesn't sound great right now. Like, you don't see the solution. But I think it'll merge over time. Jesse Rogers, MLB insider, joining us here on Ribs and BK. I'm glad you mentioned that deadline because that's what I was about to ask you about. We've heard June 1st, 6th, 5th. I think the 10th has been said out there. If it's going to be an 11th hour deal, Jesse, you would imagine that there would have to be at some point a real deadline. Do you think they're going to put a deadline on this? And what do you think that date could actually be? I'm going to answer the second question. And I would just assume that answers the first. the, The drop dead to me and this is just kind of a rumor, it, June 15th. Like, that would be, like, drop dead. Like, they need to know by June 15th. Um, now, they may make the um, the date earlier than that, right? But I feel like that's the latest it can be. But they might say, hey, let's figure this out by the 10th because we've got to be in camp by the 15th, and that means uh, the night of the 9th, expect the deal to get done, if it gets done. And I'm not saying it's 100%. But um, certainly, if, if you just go off the rhetoric right now, there's no chance of a deal. But you have to look ahead a week, 10 days, and feel like there will be progress made. Now, I say that if both sides are negotiating in good faith, I'm pretty sure the players are because they want to play and they want to get paid something, you know, and, and, and fair rate, obviously. Is every owner dying to play a half season? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, teams that are not in the race, teams that have high operating costs. Um, you know, uh, there's all sorts of reasons why they, they may not want to play. I, I think the majority do. I think they understand the, the harm it would do to the sport, especially if they don't play because of the economics. If they don't play because of the virus, it's one thing. If they don't play because of the economics, I think they understand the damage it will it, that, that it will do. But I, I can't deny that there's probably some owners that are just like, it's not worth it. And frankly, we might get to a point where there's a bunch of players that feel that way as well. Yeah, listen, looking at players, current players and former players that are now going back and forth on Twitter or social media with each other, we have Scott Boris, who's took it upon himself to send out an email to the players. And I just can't imagine, is there any way for baseball the, the Major League Baseball to clean this up and get a deal done. I just feel like there's been so much damage done that it's going to be, like you said, an 11th hour deal, or maybe we just don't get it done because of all the damage. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible we don't get it done. It is, it is possible, but not probable. That, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to be the optimist. So again, you have to look past the rhetoric. I, 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 I know talking to a lot of players, 
they wish that the owners didn't start with such an extreme extreme view. Now, granted, they didn't propose the revenue sharing. That was even another layer they didn't want. But this idea that you're going to make you're going to force the rich players to turn down seven million. That's what they did. And publicly, the owners knew how bad that would look. Yeah. You're not making $35 million, but you're still making $7 million. That's a lot more than the guy working at Costco or Whole Foods or whatever. And it forced the stars of the game to, to say that, to say $7 million isn't enough. And, and uh, you know, it, it's too bad a star of, of the game can't force an owner to, to, to come out publicly and say, well, the billion that I have isn't enough either. I need more than that. You know what I mean? It's always the players that are on their heels. And that's why I think it's important for the players to present something to the owners to say yes or no to, and then the, the uh, public can react to that. So far, all we've been doing is reacting to what the players have, have uh, turned down. It's time to turn the tables a little bit. And if you can't, if you can't tell, I'm a little bit pro-player uh, on this thing. I'm, uh, I'm more on their side. I think at the end of the day, most people are, except when they sound a little whiny about, about only making the, the millions they're going to make. But I think most people understand these are contrasted union employees that are, that are, are the performers in this thing that are taking the health risks. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, if you can't understand that, then you don't understand the, the plight of a worker, whether he's making a million or not. That's just my opinion. We're talking with Jesse Rogers. He covers MLB for ESPN.com. He's on Twitter at Jesse Rogers ESPN. Jesse, it's interesting. Earlier you said that is every owner dying to play a half season? Probably not. If you're a Major League Baseball owner and you don't necessarily feel like it's in your best interest to play half the season, why did you get into baseball? Like, I, I understand that this is still a business, and so they deserve the right to handle things like a business, but this is some of the risk that comes with owning a baseball team. If you're not willing to do it now, shouldn't you get out of the business? I mean, it's kind of a valid point, but, the, the you know, the franchise, I mean, it's a unique year. And, sure. and, the, and the bottom line is the, the franchise values are still going to go up at some point again. Maybe not this year. If they sold, um, they'd be a little bit down. In uh, 99.9% of the time, or 0.999%, they want to play. They want to make their money. But who could, who could predict a season without fans, right? And so they could never have imagined that. And so my point is, there, some of them are having a, a very unique view because it's a very unique season in their mind. Now, uh, we bounce around with the financials all the time, and certainly that's at the, the top of the food chain as far as the things that are being discussed right now. But is there a scenario in which you see that the finances somehow do get worked out between the players and the owners, and then all of a sudden there's a health or risk of health that for the players that they feel now, uh, yeah, we got the money done, but, well, you know what, this COVID-19 thing, it has us, you know, second-guessing what we're doing here. Yeah, it, it, yes, the answer is yes, but it, it, not if, if and, and again, it depends where you turn on the news, uh, not if we're moving in the right direction as a country. I don't think... If the country's open, the NBA is about to play, the NHL is about to play, I don't think the baseball players are going to go backwards unless the country goes backwards. And that is certainly a possibility, right? Who knows where this virus is going to go? Um, I, I can't tell you for sure, as it constitutes right now, that every player will play. I mean, a guy with diabetes, a guy with asthma. Um, I don't think a guy that had cancer 10 years ago has a big issue from the from the research I've done. But you never know. 
certainly anybody that's gone through chemo recently would have an issue. I don't think there's going to be many players, if at all, uh, that are going to say no to playing if if the if the health aspect of this thing has been checked off and the country doesn't go backwards. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense, Jesse. I, I want to look forward with you a little bit because we've all kind of been talking about the immediate future, right, of whether or not we're going to see baseball this year. And I do want to ask you in a moment how, how comf- confident you are of that actually happening. But what about next year? Uh, we are coming up on a CBA negotiation with this now in the backdrop how scary is that of what's to come with all of this and the resolutions that are still going to need to be had after next season? Yeah, it's very scary. And that is part of the, of the process that's baked into the process here. Meaning I, I, the owners are going to lose money or not make as much this year, no matter what happens, right? It's just not, it's just not going to be a great year. So the players feel like it's going to be taken out on them. In, in, in the coming years, whether it be free agency or the bigger thing, the next CBA negotiation, which is around the corner. Just like us fans probably feel like it's going to, ticket prices will probably go up to make up for these losses this year. You know what I mean? Like somehow the owners are going to recoup their losses. That's just how, that's why they're great businessmen, right? So th- that's why the players are, are so hell bent on sticking to their prorated salary this year. They know the future is very uncertain and they don't trust. The, the ownership and the league as is. So the one thing they can bank on is their their negotiated union employed contracted salaries that they that they have in front of them. Mookie Betts has a contract now. He doesn't have one next year. The players have a CBA now. They don't have one in two years. So that's all part of this thing. I've said this on many radio shows over the last 48 hours. I truly believe if this was the first or second year of a 10-year CBA the, the rhetoric would be different. The outcome might be different. But I, I, the fact that we're at the end of a, of a CBA is not helping matters, in my opinion. Jesse Rogers joining us here on Rivs and BK. Last question for you, Jesse. How confident are you we're going to see baseball? When do you think we'll see it? And what do you think it'll look like? Well, I thought for a long time it would be around July 4th. I, I, wait, going back even a month, six weeks. So I'm going to stick to that. I don't see why that timeline can't be achieved still. Um, I'm going to say it's better than 50%, but I've come down, I've come way down from 95 or 96%. So somewhere between 51 and 90% that, <laughs> that don't play. I, it's so tough to put a number on it cause it does change daily. Uh, but, I, but you know, better than 50% is still a, a, an optimistic view, but it certainly isn't in the 95 percentile range, which I would have done given it, you know, even a week or two ago. Uh, but you, sometimes you're, you're a prisoner of the moment, and right now it is nasty. There is a gulf between the parties, but that can be closed quickly, and that's why I still give it more than 50%. I hope they stick to 82 games. I, I, I think the more games the worse the competition is going to be, the slop, the more sloppy it's going to be. Um, you rev guys up for, for 82 games in three months. We could see some, some really good baseball once they get going. You know, first initial couple of weeks might be weird, but I, I, I think that'd be cool. If they try to fit in 100 games or even extend it into the October, November, it just, I don't know, it gets wonky. It's already a season with an asterisk. Let's, let's go for it. Let's play half a season. So I, I hope they stick to 82 games or even maybe even a little less and turn into some glorified 60-game tournament. 
I'd be more. I'm 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 in the less is more camp. So. Um, the more games, the worse baseball we'll see. That's my opinion. He's Jesse Rogers. You can follow his work on ESPN.com. He recently had the scoop with Jeff Passan on the players' reaction to Major League Baseball's proposal. And always follow him on Twitter at Jesse Rogers ESPN. Jesse, you're the best man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. That's Jesse Rogers joining us here. It is 1215. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. A lot to react to there. He had a drop-dead date for us that he thinks Major League Baseball is going to abide by. I want to react to what he said about owners and potentially not all of them actually want to play a baseball season this year. Plus, is Patrick Mahomes the number one athlete you would want to build a team right now if you could build around any athlete in any of the four professional Major League sports here in America? We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We'll get to all of that next on 101 ESPN. Is every owner dying to play a half season? Probably not. I think the majority do. I think they understand the, the harm it would do to the sport, especially if they don't play because of the economics. If they don't play because of the virus, one thing if they don't play because of the economics i think they understand the damage it will it, that, that it will do with former blues defenseman jamie rivers i'm brandon kiley it's rivs and bk on 101 espn that was jesse rogers of espn who joined us just moments ago you can check that out on the podcast page 101 espn.com later on today so jesse said something interesting there and we heard this yesterday from jeff Passan, and it's just reiterated further from jesse rogers in his interview with us is every owner dying to play a half a season? Probably not. That was the exact quote from Jesse Rogers. If you're an owner and you're saying to yourself right now, do I want to play a season? And if your answer is no, you shouldn't be a Major League Baseball owner. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have gotten into this sport. And here's why I say that. When you become an owner of a baseball team, you inherit the risk that comes with being the owner of a baseball team. Now, do you expect a global pandemic to shut down everything in your country and makes you lose fans for the season? Of course not. Of course not. Nobody could have possibly seen this coming. It would have been impossible to do so. We haven't seen this in 100 years in this country. That being said... When you have a windfall of money in one year, because let's say you're like the Pirates, right? And you're not a, a big market team and you typically don't bring in a ton of revenue. But for one season, you ended up having an unbelievable year. You had a really low payroll and you went to the World Series. You were bringing in 40,000 fans for that playoff run. You had a windfall. You don't then share that money with the players. That's part of not having a 50-50 revenue split. You get to keep that money. Mm -hmm. And in this situation, if you are going to have a loss and the owners tell us that they are, that's on you to inherit. Later on, if you have a windfall, you get to keep it. Right now with the risk, that's on you. It is not on the players exclusively to take on that risk from you. And so that's where I am right now, Jamie, is if you're an owner and you're not saying for the good of the game, we need to get this back Maybe you got into the wrong business to be able to do this because it is bigger than just the business if you're going to be a baseball owner. It has to be. Okay, well, let's let's break that down for a second. For some of these guys, 
That's exactly what it is. Just it's a business. just a business. Like, we all have this vision of every sports owner. Like, we, we think of Tom Stillman here. Like, passionate hockey guy, blues guy, owner. We think of Mark Cuban running onto the court and yelling at referees. And, like, we think, man, all of these owners are such passionate guys about their sports or their team. Not the case. Yep. Some of these guys, it's just a business. Some of them have inherited teams or, you know, they're part of a family that's owned the team and they personally have no passion towards a game at all. They just want to make sure that at the end of every year, they're cashing checks and putting money in the bank and that they're building their empire. So I think that what Jesse Rogers was saying and what Jeff Passon was saying is 100% logical. Because you're looking at probably half of the owners who don't really care about baseball. It's just a business. And if that's the case, then, yeah, taking the loss, probably a better business decision to do. You get your tax breaks. You get here. You get a little relief on this. Ah, we had a bad year. Things are down, you know. But the baseball guys, the true passionate baseball guys, like we take the DeWitts here in town, they're still paying all their employees. Like, they care. They've they've handled this as well as could be expected of any team in baseball right now. But at the end of it, they love baseball. They love the Cardinals, right? They love the city of St. Louis, too, obviously. But that's their passion. Whereas you look at some of these other guys... They don't even care. Some of them don't even go to the games. Look at the A's right now. They don't even go to the games. They have no interest. They don't even care. They don't even know what the score is from the day before. They don't care. All they care about is what does the balance sheet look like. So I understand what you're saying, and it's true. Like it's, it's impossible for me to argue otherwise because it is accurate what you are saying. That being said, in a situation like this, you need your owners to come together as a collective group and say, we have to do this for the good of the game. And they have to look not just in the near term, but also in the long term. What is going to be best for our assets? So even for those people that you're talking about that aren't, they're not in this for the baseball. They're not in this for America's pastime. They're not in this for the romanticism of the game. They're in this because they want to be involved in the business of baseball. Mm -hmm. They want to be involved in MLB advanced media. They want to be involved in some of the digital technology that's going on in Major League Baseball right now. And they want to have a part in all of this. Those people need to look further down the road as opposed to just seeing red this year in the balance sheet. They've got to understand that if you go 18 months without having baseball on the field, you're going to lose certain fans. And so, yes, it might look bad this year. It almost assuredly will look bad this year in the balance sheet. You got to eat it. I know that's hard to do as a business owner. I know it is. But you have to be willing to take this now so that way later on the asset that you got in this for, it continues to appreciate. It continues to become more valuable because if you don't, I would love to sit here and tell you that it's going to be a terrible thing for baseball. I don't know, but that's the thing. We don't know how bad this could be for baseball if you're an owner. And this year you say to yourself, eh, nah, I'm good. I don't need to come back for the game. It's just, it's crazy to me that that that's where some of these owners are coming from, both financially and for the long-term health of the sport. Some of them don't care, BK. And what I mean by that is, the ramifications, like you're talking about, well, this will damage the sport of baseball and, you know, it'll hurt your fan base. Some of them don't care. Some of them have numbers to support that the fans will come back, the revenue will regenerate, and that this is actually the best thing to do is to take a loss right now, to cut payroll, to cut out certain aspects of it. Because guess what? 
Now you can rebuild, and maybe you start off your employee food chain out lower again because people all need jobs. I mean, what I'm saying is really crude yep. as far as being a businessman, but you have to remember to, to these guys, some of them, it's just the numbers. That's it. They don't care about anything else. And they, the fact that you're not going to buy a season ticket, they look at it and go, yeah, okay, he may not, but this guy may. So who cares? Goodbye. It makes me sad that that's true. I know. Like it, it, I, I, I'm, I can't disagree with anything you were saying. But it makes me sad that that's the case. It really does. We all have that vision of that owner who just loves, or that ownership group that just loves their team and loves the sport. Unfortunately, it's not reality. Yeah, and in this moment, I don't need them to love their sport or love their team, but I need them to do what's best for the game. I need them to do what they need to be a stewardess for the game of baseball right now. I that, don't that's all I need at all. I wanted to play one other thing from Jesse Rogers. If you are pessimistic right now about a deal getting done with baseball, I get it. It's hard for me to tell you not to be pessimistic. But Jesse Rogers did say right now it is possible but not probable that a deal doesn't get done. Definitely possible we don't get it done. It is it is possible but not probable. I'm going to be the optimist. So talking to a lot of players, they wish that the owners didn't start with such an extreme, extreme view. This idea that you're going to make – you're going to force – the rich players to turn down seven million. That's what they did. And publicly, the owners knew how bad that would look. And it forced the stars of the game to say seven million isn't enough. And so that was Jesse Rogers earlier, a few minutes ago here on the show, talking about it's possible but not probable that we don't get a deal done. He added that he is somewhere between fifty and ninety percent. <laughs> he, he thinks he thinks it's likely that we're going to have a season. He was at ninety five percent, and now he's he's hovering, depending on the hour, somewhere between fifty and ninety percent. What I found the most interesting out of all that is when he said the owners have forced the players to turn down seven million dollars, and you know what? Every time we talk about money when it comes to the pro sports and certainly Major League Baseball. The t- line lights up yep. with, we're going to work. And, and, you know, Jesse mentioned, too, the guy at Costco working there. Right? Everybody's going to work. They don't care. You're turning down $7 million. So, really, what the owners did was kind of dirty pool. It really was because now they've put the players into a position where unless they take the deal right away, they look awful. They look selfish. How how dare you turn down $7 million? With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we didn't get to the Patrick Mahomes story. You know we got to get to this. Oh, thank God we didn't get to that. (laughs) If you could have any athlete right now to start a franchise with in their respective sports, who would be at the top of that list? We'll discuss that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Sam, the reigning Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're in the middle of negotiations for his record-breaking contract. What is Mahomes actually worth year in, year out? All of the money, Steve. All of it. Give it all to him. Every last dollar on your salary cap. All of it goes to Mahomes, and everyone else can play for free, and you'll still be in Super Bowl contention every single year. Everyone likes to debate, where is that cutoff? When are you paying the quarterback too much? You don't think that there's a point. Our research has shown it almost doesn't matter. If you have that baseline of awesome at quarterback, you'll always be in the mix. So the Chiefs and Mahomes, they might rewrite all the records when it comes to this new contract. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was the Pro Football Focus Football Podcast. 
talking about Patrick Mahomes' new contract. Of course, it was a football podcast being negotiated. Let me get through the start of this segment, Jamie, before you tell me about how much of an idiot I am. That's coming. I know I that. Say that. So Patrick Mahomes is now currently negotiating his new deal with the Chiefs. That was the big report that came out yesterday. I don't want to talk specifically about that. I know our audience doesn't want to hear me just gush about how fantastic Patrick it's Mahomes not just is the in football. Okay. So instead, we're going to give a little bit of a spin on this. I think you can make a good argument that Patrick Mahomes, of all of the players in professional North American sports right now, would be the number one pick if you gave me everybody and you said you can start a franchise with X player. Who's that number one pick in their respective sports? I think Mahomes would probably be at the top of that list. Okay, so Jamie, in who their respective think- sports. Correct. Okay, yeah. well, you didn't say that earlier. You were like the greatest athlete in professional sports. Okay, well, he is that as well. But, but I'm like, okay, how's his skating? I can already think of another football player I'd take before him. Before Mahomes? Yeah. If you were starting a franchise? Yeah. Who? Frank Gore. He's going to give you 25 years of service. You're getting a thousand rushing yards. He's certainly going to be your starting running back in 2057. Okay, so I, I think now Mahomes we're going would be right at or near the top of that list. But who who else would even be on the list? Because I, I put together a few um, in basketball. You got to take age into consideration here, right? Because LeBron James is getting up there. You're not going to take a team with him. Giannis was one of the guys that yeah. I thought of. Luka Doncic would be yeah. one of the guys that I thought of. Mike Trout in baseball. But baseball is just so much harder for any one player to have that kind of an impact. Jamie, is there anybody that immediately comes to mind, whether it be hockey or otherwise, of if you were starting a, a, a team in their respective sport, that's the guy you clearly, without a doubt, would start your team around? Yeah, you know, Sidney Crosby comes to mind for me. Um, is I he know, getting a little up there, though? Well, he is, but he's still effective. really, really effective and relevant in the sport of hockey. And That's he's 33. Yeah. Wow. He's he's got the whole package, right? He plays hard. He plays on the defensive side of the puck. He works every day on, you know, things that he needs to improve on. He's he's arguably been in the top three best players in the world since he's come into the league. So, you know, you could say Connor McDavid, too. Um, you know, certainly youthful there. And he's got skills that the game has never seen before however i do think his game still has levels to evolve at which would hold me back a little bit from declaring him the number one guy nathan mckinnon is a heck of a player but defensively on uh, he's still got some room to grow there Uh, alex ovechkin he's kind of one-dimensional and of course i'm going with all the hockey guys right now um you know but that's kind of you know Sidney crosby to me encompasses you know what you would want your number one player to have all the characteristics and then certainly physical ability. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in this conversation. Who would you have up there near Patrick Mahomes, either above him or in that same area? This one comes from the three one four. I personally would take Lamar Jackson over Patrick Mahomes. If you put Lamar in Kansas City, he can win a Super Bowl with the same team, and he's a better athlete. See, I would not. Um, and this has nothing to do with my uh, affection for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
that has everything to do with, I wouldn't take the running quarterback over the throwing quarterback in general. If you give me the guy that can throw, that's a skill that can last 15, 20 years. We've seen that translate throughout the history of football. I don't know what Lamar looks like in five years, much less in 10 years. That speed's probably still going to be there, but he's running the same amount. I I doubt it. So he's going to have to improve a lot in his passing ability to be able to be that same player in 10 years that he is today. We're talking athlete, right? Like, we're not talking, like, best quarterback. We're talking overall athlete. That, I, am I right in that? That's in what I'm taking it as. In terms of what? Well, your whole question for this segment. In the NFL. We're going best yeah, overall athlete. Best no, overall start, athlete? Starting a team. You're starting a team around this player. Okay, all right. So, all right, so you've moved the goalposts a little bit all over the place here. We started out with yeah. best athlete, and then now we're in respect of sports. I, no, no. Now I, we're I on think we, quarterbacks. No, I think we started with the position player. I think he's just saying you'd start your franchise with a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I would say would start with a running back maybe or a wide receiver sure, or a you, defense player let, let me rephrase this so that way i don't lose you jamie well i thought you were talking about just an athlete sure. overall I, I get that let me let me rephrase this that way it's more clear for slow everybody. it down if you were to start a franchise yes. in any of the individual sports yes with a player and you're building your team around that player you're doing a fantasy draft like you do in madden and you have the number one overall pick but you can play any sport your your team in whichever sport you decide to choose who would be your number one pick to build around okay. in that sport All right. so for me like patrick mahomes what he does in football I think elevates your team more than maybe any other player in any other sport does in their sport does that make sense yeah so Patrick Mahomes for me would be the number one player that I would choose on this list. Giannis, if I'm building a basketball team, probably what would be my number Zion? one pick in that one. Where is Zion's Zion on this one. list? Like this guy's a mutant. Well, and I don't know how old Kawhi Leonard is, but I mean, when you see what he did in Toronto, and you see when he was successful in San Antonio, now he might be up there in age. I'd have to double check, but he'd be another one. I think. I mean, you get a guy who encompasses winning and championships, and a guy who makes everyone else play better. It's kind of another player that I'd throw in there too. Somebody says Lamar Jackson's passing numbers last year were awesome. Lamar Jackson's a great player. He would probably be in the top five for me of who I would pick if we were talking NFL. But if you're saying Lamar over Patrick Mahomes, that's where you lose me. I I can't do that. Somebody else mentions Francisco Lindor. Baseball's tough for me with this question. One position doesn't change it. It, Unless you're looking at a pitcher who could be so dominant, yeah, but then he only plays a only once every of the five games. days. Yeah. You're more with a position player offensively, but even that doesn't win it because you got to have a good pitcher. So let's look at that though. If you were doing a pitcher, the answer would probably be Jack Flaherty, right? If you were in baseball right now, and As you were saying, right now today, yeah, yeah if you were so you're building a team and you're saying, I, I'm building this team for, for both the now and for the next ten years, yeah. and I have to build around any pitcher in baseball. I think you're looking at either Jack Flaherty or Walker Bueller. I think I'd take Jack Flaherty. I think he's the number one pick on that list for me right now. I would agree. I yeah. mean, there's not even a, there's not even a question for me yeah, with that. Especially one. after watching what he did, and you know, you get that for ten years. The age doesn't matter. He's the one you go with. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. Well, did you see a second half <laughs> last year? I'm going to use there. that. Yeah, I'm going to use that as my guideline. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line uh, from the three one four. Basketball is clearly the sport where one player makes the most difference. For me, it has to be Kevin Durant, Steph, Kawhi, or Giannis. Those would be the guys that I would choose over anybody in any other sport. I think that's certainly the case about one player making the most difference. And we've seen this, right? LeBron goes from Cleveland to Miami. Cleveland becomes a dumpster fire again. Miami becomes the title favorite. And he goes back to Cleveland. Cleveland now becomes from a dumpster fire to the number one contender every year. We've seen how that works. 
I think the quarterback, if you are a transcendent quarterback, has a similar effect. The one transcendent player in basketball probably has a bigger effect, but it's the only other position in sports to me that is similar to that would be the quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, do we look at goaltenders in hockey? That's what I was trying to think, but I mean, Bennington was the first one that comes to mind, but he's a little bit older than what you would try and start here to 10 years from now. And yeah, he he backed it up with a a solid season Mm -hmm. so far this year or for the regular season this year. Um, I think he got to he'd, have to, he'd have to have another run in, to the cup this year. He'd have to for, be to get in that conversation. Yeah, like at me. one point, like Jonathan Quick. At one point, when he, he was, was the him. guy. Corey Crawford like, was the same he one. Couldn't get a Grease BB past those right. guys, and you would build your team around that. But I think if you're talking hockey, I, I, and I understand what you're saying with Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid for how good they are, but I think in hockey, you got to start with a goaltender because you can have the best offense or the yeah. best defense, and if your goaltender sucks, you're not going to win. We've seen that here in St. Louis a few you times. You've got to look at defensemen, too. Yeah, you know, they play, Some of these guys play half oh, the Jamie game. Jamie caping for the defensemen. No, I'm just sitting here. seen that one coming. I'd take Jamie Rivers. Oh, boy. <laughs> Somebody on the text jo- line said they'd take Brad Thompson as well. Oh, boy. They have a couple of people be out of a job in a hurry. <laughs> well, we're going to see those both in action sooner or later. That's a good point. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, it's time for the junk drawer, and I've got another story for you. That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go into the junk drawer. Ribs, what's up, man? What do you got for us today? Okay, so we've had this discussion a couple times um, when the Jordan documentary came out. And I'm not going back to The Last Dance. I'm not going back to any Thank of that God. stuff. But where I am going is uh, one of the branches that we went off on with this was when Michael Jordan played baseball and how, you know, you weren't really sold on the fact that Michael's really a baseball player. Like, they just thought it was a, a ploy to get people to watch or do something, whatever, right? Tim Tebow's name came up when we were talking about that because you referenced Tebow as far as he had better numbers than Michael Jordan and, you know, he's not even in the conversation. And, well, apparently one of uh, Tim Tebow's ex-teammates isn't very fond of the Tebow experiment either. And he went on a rant and he wrote a big, long letter on social media on Instagram about how it was a joke that Tim Tebow was playing at that level. He no longer has a job because, of course, minor league baseball is chopping guys left and right right now. Uh, The Mets made a mockery of our team by putting a celebrity on it to sell more tickets. That's what uh, that's what Church wrote there. Andrew Church is the guy we're talking about here. So my question to you, mm-hmm. and I guess I'll ask you, but I'm trying to ask Andrew Church, but he's not here right now. Right. So I'll, I'll fill in for him. You'll fill in. You'll yeah. play the part of Andrew Church. Yeah. And I'd say, well, Andrew, do you think they were all there to see you play? Was it a publicity stunt? Yes. Did you or some of your teammates or your owners make some more money because of it? Yes. Are you really surprised that it happened? No, of course not. And so I I think all of this is silly. The Tim Tebow thing to me has never made sense with baseball's resistance to accept it. Uh, Tim Tebow is not a great baseball player. Nobody should argue as much. But he was fine. He was fine. He he was good enough to be out there and playing the game. And so if you're one of these players that gets frustrated by it, 
I don't know what to tell you, man. If he ends up failing, he ends up failing. But it's the Mets organization, and they're going to sell a few more seats because of it. <laughs> it's minor league baseball. This is how it works. If this is bothering you this much and hurting your career as a minor leaguer, don't play baseball then. Well, how? Yeah, exactly. Like, right? like how is this affecting him? I don't right. get it. Like, th- does he play the same position? I don't know. I didn't dive that far into it. It's like but. if you, it's like if you work at a job and you feel like somebody else has a position and it bothers you so much that it's affecting your job. Well, get another job then, right? <laughs> Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service sex line. Oh, so Church is now blasting Tim Tebow. That's ironic. That's well played, sir. Oh, well that played. Is well played. We're into the junk drawer on ribs and BK on one hundred one ESPN. I've got one for. For you, Jamie. How about right. this? So it's not every day that you see somebody break into a bank that has been closed, right? That's not an everyday occurrence. <laughs> and it's really not an everyday occurrence the way that it happened out in San Diego yesterday. So a man out in San Diego walking down the street and he gets hungry. And so he sees a bank and he sees that they've got a microwave available inside bank. And he says, the only way that I'm going to be able to eat right now is if I get inside of that bank and am able to use that microwave. Seems logical. Justified so far. Yeah. So he does it. He's got me so far. (laughs) And do you know what he does? He apparently had a hot pocket on him. And he pops that Hot Pocket into the microwave, and he eats that Hot Pocket as he's arrested for breaking into a bank. Now, afterwards, a reporter on the scene asked the man as he was waiting for his police cruiser, quote, was it worth it? The man responded, quote, was it worth it? Yeah, it was worth it. A Hot Pocket? (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) So it's not every day you see somebody breaking into a bank. It is certainly not every day you see somebody breaking into a bank to heat up their Hot Pocket. God bless you. I wonder at what point, like, did he really, like, yeah, he backs it up. Was it worth it? Yeah, it's a Hot Pocket. (laughs) But, like, why the bank? Why not just walk over to, like, I don't know, your local gas station? Like, go to the QT down yeah, the street, like, right? where they have a microwave, like, readily available for you. Go find an open flame somewhere and warm it up that way. That's sure. Um, go pick up some sticks yeah. and rub them together, right? There's got to be an alley somewhere that has a bin with flames coming out of it that's seen in the movies just, all the time, right? I mean, just eat it frozen, no? <laughs> be a man. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be something better than breaking into a bank to yeah. use their microwave to heat up your hot pocket. There just has to be, be something somewhere better. Somewhere else better to break into. But did he not, like, in the bank was closed, yep. right? So, now was he trying, do you think he was trying something else and that's his excuse, though? Like, he went in and then he's like, oh, well, yeah, I tried to get money, but that's all locked up. He apparently had a Hot Pocket. So, Hot Pocket (laughs) needs to take this and run with it as advertising and say, Hot Pocket's so good that you need to break into a bank and have it right now. Yeah, I like it. Don't talk about it. Someone's going to steal that idea Can I dump that? Someone's going to steal that idea. I've got one more story for you, Jamie. All right, all right. So, we've talked a lot about how I'm not exactly the most manly of men, right? (laughs) You've talked a lot about it. I can't change. I don't know why that gets me every time, but when you say it, it's just hilarious. I can't change a tire. I am incompetent when it comes to fixing anything in the house. I'm living with Kara's parents, and so her dad's the one that grills. Mm-hmm. He mows the lawn. Like, I'm I'm not exactly the man of the house at this exact moment. I think her dad was trying to throw it in my face again yesterday. Oh, really? 
I do. Was it maybe after he saw you trying to get the bird out of the garage? <laughs> no, so apparently he was the one that let it in the garage and couldn't figure out how to get it out, so he just left. He but went golfing He was night. one to watch BK try and get the bird yeah, out. He definitely had a, a oh, camera yeah. hidden yeah, I was going to say, before we get into the news story, let's just back it up a second. So the dad, Kara's dad, let the bird in. Allegedly. Yeah. It, it was let in while he was parking, apparently. I'm, I'm starting to see this now. Okay, okay yeah. all right, go this ahead now. Oh, yeah, There's I'm trying to put all this together. Go ahead. There. So, uh-huh. Kara's dad, as I said, went golfing last night, and that's why he had... Kara's my girlfriend. Uh, that's, oh, really? I've never heard that before. For the <gasps> listeners that might be tuning in for the Mike first Ryder, time did you right know now. Kara's his girlfriend? Good huh? good talk, everybody. <laughs> so, he, he is... Uh, He's going golfing, and he's on his way home last night. And it, it's getting a little late. It's like 7, 30, 8 o'clock, right, where the sun's starting to go down. He's on the highway, and uh, he gets a flat. He gets a flat tire. Oh, he didn't call you. <laughs> Certainly didn't call me, thank God. Uh, didn't call anybody, in fact. He is on the highway, on the side of the highway, as it is getting dark, fixing his own tire uh. on the shoulder. He says to us, as we, as he gets home after having done this, I just couldn't even look into the street. At a certain point, the semis are coming by, and you just didn't want to know. If that, if I die, I die. <laughs> it's like, no, that is a man. That, that is a man, and I can't relate to what you are saying right now. I can't relate to that. Because I would have called that you was, play. Yeah, that, that, that was, I think, a little directed at you to let you know. I think it's just warning shots, letting you know daily that, you know, he's the man of the house. Bottom line. I've been in that situation, though, and it is scary. As I heck. have, too. My boys Did you guys and I, both change the tire? Yeah, my boys and I no. were on our way to Chicago to play a hockey tournament. I need to figure out how to do that. They this. were younger. And I got a flat tire on, on the way to Chicago, and that's a pretty busy highway. And so I pull over to the side, and uh, I've got to change this thing. I've got to get out and change it. Now, you really never feel quite comfortable. Like, you're never pulled over quite far right. It always seems to be the wheel that's on the highway. 100%. Yep. Always. Yeah, it was like driver's side every time. Driver's side rear tire on my pickup truck. And so... I'm thinking about it, and I go, okay, boys. I'm like, uh, I want you guys to go stand over there in the field about 25, 30 yards. And they're like, well, why? I said, well, because if we get sideswiped by an 18-wheeler, I don't want you guys to get killed at the same time. I right. want you guys far enough right. away that you're not part of the problem. And then, you know, proceed to change the tire on the side of the highway, and you can feel the wind just woof, woof, as yeah. they're going by. And I'm like, oh, my God. I felt, honestly, at, 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 at that moment, I probably could have joined a pit crew for NASCAR. <laughs> I was moving, boys. Yep. I'm telling you, I was moving. And it's not just that he did it. That would be one thing, right? He did it as it's getting dark at night. That's a whole other challenge. Where yeah. people can't really see you, right? They see the flashers on the back of your car, and so hopefully they're all paying enough attention. But we wow. know a lot of people aren't to where they're going to be in that lane still, and maybe they do or don't see you as they're coming up and approaching. So I did you do know mine what? at 270 when it was 930 at night. Oh, that's bad. Luckily, it wasn't the one on the driver's side. He is. Well, no, it's but not I, very hard. Uh, it, when you're... <laughs> He like 12 up me. <laughs> when you're on the other side and you're not on the highway side, the driver's side, it's not as scary, but you still feel that wind and it shakes the car when it's up on yeah. the on the pump. Dude, it is frightening. So here's what I've come to the conclusion of after all this, okay, is that they usually say uh, boys marry their mothers, right? They find somebody that reminds them of their mom oh, and this is gonna be whatnot. Good. 
And they say that girls, you know, little girl wants to marry someone who reminds them of their dad. Clearly not the case <laughs> at your house. <laughs> From the six or from the five seven three six five seven eight zero zero comfort service text line. So essentially, you have a half-assed man card. Yes, that's what I've been trying to tell you it's guys holes for in it. Yeah. four weeks. It's not half a card. It's just got a few holes punched in it. Piece of Swiss cheese. No, it's pretty much the half-assed card. It's okay, buddy. Yeah, you're in a safe place here. We, we still, still love you. We see. We still love you here. Yeah. Coming up at 1.30, we'll be joined by Matthew Schneider. He is the current special assistant to the NHLPA executive director, Don Fear. So we're going to talk to Matthew Schneider about the NHL's return to play plan and what some of the hurdles can be still from here to be able to get back onto the ice. We'll do that coming up at 1.30. But coming up next, I want to talk about is DeAndre Hopkins taking a shot at Deshaun Watson. I think that happened yesterday. I'm pretty sure that happened yesterday. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I definitely think I'm the best. I know I'm the best. You know, Mike, my boy, I love Mike. We was chasing yesterday, but he know if I had Drew Brees my whole career, what these numbers would be. Julio Jones know if I had Matt Ryan my whole career. That's my boy. I trained with Julio, too. He know what these numbers would be. So, uh, you know, those guys are definitely blessed to be in a position where their whole career, they had a, a Pro Bowl quarterback, quarterback that they uh, spent, you know, multiple seasons with. What? I don't know what just happened either. I That's couldn't DeAndre believe. Hopkins. My Alongside. ears were deceiving me there. They had to have been. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK. So that was DeAndre Hopkins yesterday talking about being the number one wide receiver in the NFL. And that was via Jalen and Jacoby, a podcast for ESPN. I got no qualms with him saying he's the number one receiver in the NFL. We can disagree on if he should be one, two, three, but he's in the top tier, right? And DeAndre Hopkins should believe that he's the best receiver in the NFL. If you're him, you should believe that you're the best. That being said, his explanation was really interesting to me. Him saying that he would have better numbers than Michael Thomas or Julio Jones if he was the one that was playing with Drew Brees or Matt Ryan Hmm. seems to indicate that he's suggesting that Matt Ryan and Drew Brees are both better than Deshaun Watson. See, I'm actually hearing that as he's suggesting that he's better than Julio Jones and Michael Thomas. Okay, I'm hearing both of those things, okay? One, I'm hearing that he believes he's... You know, better than those guys. But uh, the one that's really standing out to me is that he's saying that if he had a better quarterback, right. he would be even greater than he is right now, which his quarterback is lesser than the quarterbacks that those the guys other two are guys. With. Yeah, exactly. So that to me is an interesting comment to say the least. Now, right away, what it does to me is it goes, OK, so mm, maybe trading him wasn't a bad idea. Ooh, interesting. Ooh. Maybe there was something there between him and, and uh, Deshaun Watson. Maybe he's just a bad teammate. Maybe Bill O'Brien was like, you know what? And not giving no. Bill O'Brien the benefit yeah, of the doubt. I tried, <laughs> Bill. Bill. I tried, buddy. I tried. Okay, so. Still a bad idea. Yeah. And certainly trading him for a running back okay. who was overpaid. I didn't say the agent. trade was good. <laughs> yeah, Bill right. O'Brien's dumb. Come on, Rivs. Maybe he needed to be traded, though, because maybe he's just a scumbag teammate. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. He said the majority of his career, he hasn't had Watson for the majority of his career. He has had Watson for the last three seasons, though, and that's when these guys, like, for, for instance, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas has only been in the league for, like, four years at this point. Mm-hmm. So he's basically comparing his numbers that he's had with Deshaun Watson to the numbers that Michael Thomas has had for his entire career. 
And if you're looking at it through that perspective, yeah, Deshaun, he's saying is lesser than. And I don't believe that. Hmm. I think Deshaun Watson, if I we talked earlier today about if you're starting a team with a player, who would you take as the number one pick? For me, Mahomes is clear in a way the number one guy. Deshaun Watson is in the mix for me as that number two guy. I think I'd go Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson's 31 years old at this point, so he's getting a little bit up there in age. Probably right after that, for me, even above Lamar Jackson, as we talked about earlier, would be Deshaun Watson. So I'm I'm very surprised that DeAndre Hopkins came out with a comment like this so publicly, frankly. And, and you know, he's got Drew, Drew Brees, as mentioned on, on that one there. Uh, okay, you know what? If he had Drew Brees, you know, Drew Brees, he can sling it. Obviously, he's thrown a lot of touchdowns in his career. But then, you know, with the Ryan comment, I mean, I know he's he's had some good numbers. Matt but Ryan's good, man. I know, but... People sleep on Matt Ryan. Deshaun Watson, like, come on. It's not like you're <laughs> the bottom of the barrel here. Like, this guy, you're a big fan of Watson, yeah. too. I, I think he's amazing. I really do. I, I I mean, you guys saw that highlight last year of him playing. I think it was the Raiders, and this was the one of the plays of the season. Lamar probably had the play of the season with the spin move that he had. But Deshaun Watson, from, like, the 15-yard line, basically falling and kicking somebody in or getting kicked in the face with a cleat, uh, from a Raiders defender and then spinning out of it and throwing a touchdown was one of the best plays of the NFL season. And that's what this guy does. Like, he's clutch. He's willing to take chances. He damn near had the Chiefs on the ropes. Like, they were up 24 to yeah. nothing. And the Chiefs just made a miraculous comeback in the playoffs. If that doesn't happen, think about how differently we're talking about Deshaun Watson right now. I, I, well, 3 1 4 here. And this is maybe, this maybe is what. You know, he's trying to get at here, what Hopkins is trying to get at. 314 on the uh, Air Comfort Service text line says, I think he's talking about the terrible QBs he had before Watson got there. Keenum, Osweiler, Savage, etc. Which and makes sense. That would make sense. Now, if that's the argument, then that makes sense. But to your point about picking you know, Michael Thomas, yeah. it's like, well, he's only been in the league like four years. In the last three years, you've been with Deshaun Watson. But I think... You know, we're isolating one little piece of what's been said here. But if that's the case, then why wouldn't he say, well, if I would have had Deshaun Watson my entire career in Houston, then I'd have the numbers better than what I have right now. See, that's the thing. Valid point, Ferrari. If you had just said, hey, if Deshaun Watson was my quarterback for my entire career, I'd be putting up numbers like them. Unfortunately, for the beginning of my career, I was with all of these other guys that weren't the Mm -hmm. caliber of Deshaun Watson. He took the shot at Houston in general. Exactly. He took took the shot at his team as opposed and propped up those other players as opposed to propping up his own quarterback that he had for the last three years. I think it's a little bit of a shot at Deshaun Watson, and it makes me think a little bit less of DeAndre Hopkins because that's not a dude that you want to be taking shots at. No, and if I was him, I'd be out there today trying to clarify what I said. If it was taken the wrong way, if not, man, ride it out, I guess. Ride the storm, baby. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. Over the past three seasons, how would you rank those three quarterbacks? We're talking about Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, and Drew Brees. This is going to probably cause some waves. I would go Watson, Breeze, Ryan. See, I was thinking Breeze, Watson. That's right. what I was thinking too. I think I think it's either Watson or Breeze at the top, and then Ryan is a pretty clear cut third. It was Matt Ryan's three, uh, MVP season three years ago, or was it longer ago than that? I'll have to look that up. But Matt Ryan in his MVP season was 
legitimately, arguably the best, I mean, clearly the best players. That was four years ago. So, yeah, we're in the clear. Yeah, timely. <laughs> Ryan, over the last three it. seasons, uh, would be at the bottom of that list. Watson's been amazing. Watson's been really, really, really good. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's get to some bet it or forget it. We're going into the weekend. We're going to bet it or forget it on some real and fake odds. That's all next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Man, the, you know how they said the more you hear them, the more you like them? I think it might be true. People might actually like us a little bit, Jamie. So you're saying there's a chance. From the 618, I got to say, I was really worried about how this show was going to go. But you guys are great. I kind of love it. Bet it, you guys are going to lead in the ratings. I don't know about that. We'll take it. But we'll take it. Another one. I love this show, especially BK. I knew there were people out there that liked me. That seems fake. It's mm. rare. That's why I had to read it on the air. But mm. I had to make sure that we got to that one. It's time for bet it or forget it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If you've got something you want to hear, if we'll bet it or forget it. Let's start with this, Jamie. Bet it or forget it. There's going to be at least a 50% capacity in the stands for football games this fall. <clears throat> bet it. I'm betting it. I'm, they're already leaking things left and right about how they're going to have, you know, we talked about earlier, top of the show, into the Superdome. They're talking about having 13,000 fans. Well, guess what? By the time regular season comes around for the NFL, I think they'll be up around that half capacity for most of these teams. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to bet that one. Betting it, betting it 100%. You're already hearing it. We know Texas. Texas is all about football. Oh, yeah. They're going to put people in the stadium regardless of people telling them they can or they can't. I think this is a guarantee at this point. Like, I, I, I would be shocked, barring something happening, obviously, in our world where this pandemic gets even worse and it, mm-hmm. there's a second outbreak before the season or whatever it may be, right? That, which is all possible. But given what our current information is, I'm going to be very surprised if there's there isn't significant fans in the stands for football games this fall. Better to forget it in over-under. I'm going to set it at July 4th. Are you taking before or after July 4th for Major League Baseball's return, Jamie Rivers? I'm going to go after. I don't think these guys are even close. They're not even in the same atmosphere right now with what's going on back and forth. I could be wrong, and I hope I am, but I don't think they're even close. So yeah, I'm after. I'm going to put it over because I think it's going to be beyond July 4th. Uh, the conversations at least hopefully can start trending in the right direction. I was telling both you guys off the air, Joel Sherman, New York Post, put an article out saying, can we please just have an adult at the conversation with Tony Clark and Rod Manfred? That to me signifies you're not seeing anything in June. I like this one better from the 314. They have a better, better, better to forget it than I did. Better to forget Shocker. it will play baseball in July. I'm going to bet that one. I think it happens. I'm... I'm yeah. going to say what Jason Stark said yesterday. I refuse to believe that they are this dumb. I refuse to believe it. So I'm going to still say bet it that they play baseball. I would July. do that. I would do it post All-Star break of what would have been All-Star break. So that second July. week of the third week of July. I could see that happening. I've got another good one here from the text line. Bet it or forget it. BK's girlfriend sending those nice texts. <laughs> oh, you should bet all of your life savings on that. <laughs> There's also another one that said that it was from my mom. It was another one that said BK sending it from his burner accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yikes. 
65780 is their comfort service sex line to get involved in the show. Bet it or forget it, $40 million or more for Patrick Mahomes. Are you betting it or forgetting it that Patrick Mahomes is going to make at least $40 million per year on his next contract? Per year? How's he going to make ends meet? <laughs> my gosh, I hope he's got, he's got bills to pay, man. Yeah, my goodness. $40 million. What's the highest paid guy right now? Do we know? It's Russell Wilson. $35 million is 35. the highest. You know what? I think he gets there, guys. I mean, you take into consideration his performance, his age. He's a Super Bowl champion. Sky's the limit with this guy. I think he I, I think he hits $40 million. I bet that, too. I think $40 million. I mean, quarterbacks have to be paid more than the other quarterback. And Pat Mahomes, if he goes on and wins another Super Bowl, he's going to just going to raise the price even more. So mm-hmm. $40 million seems like it's a likely uh, scenario. Might be a deal yeah. for $40 million. It's true. Hell yeah, it would Could be. Do 50. Jamie, you know agents. You've worked with them before. Yes. You know how much they love round numbers and setting new benchmarks, right? They like being able to go to other clients or prospective clients and saying, I got this guy this that was a new benchmark for the NFL mm-hmm. at their position, right? Yeah. I think his agent's going to say, I want five years, $200 million, $40 million per year, with $150 million guaranteed. Those are easy numbers to think of, right, in the back of your mind. The $40 million threshold has never been crossed. Nobody's ever made $200 million on a contract before. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the $150 million would be a new guarantee. I was going to say the guarantee is $150. (sighs) Look, I think the Chiefs would be silly not to put a deal like that in place. Okay. I think the 150 guarantee is going to be high for the Chiefs. So I think they'll go with 50% of that contract is guaranteed at 100. I, if he asks for it, I think I would go with it. You know, he's got all of the leverage. You have to just worry about injury, though, right? Like, that's the thing is you got to look at it and go, okay, he, he had an injury last year. Like, he is quarterback position. He does run around a lot. He, he does put himself sometimes in, in tough spots. Do I want to? I, I would, if I'm the GM and talking to the agent, I'm like, listen, I want to give you all this money. I hope he gets all 200 million of it. Obviously, that means things are going well, but you got to meet me at 50% on the guarantee just in case. Sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit, Rivs. Oh, oh my God. Did we just hear that for real? 65780 is their comfort service sex line. If you want to get involved in Bet It or Forget It. All right, Bet It or Forget It. This Jersey City brewery that came out with a trash can banger beer that is obviously taking aim at the Houston Astros for their trash can banging is going to be the most sold beer that we've ever seen in the history of New Jersey beers. Hmm. Bet It or Forget It, Jamie. In the history? I don't even know if there's any other New Jersey breweries. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's got to be at least one. Bold statement. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to forget it. I don't think it's going to get as much traction as they think. I think that if you're in L.A. as a Dodgers fan. and St. You know, Louis, I bet you would buy it. Uh, that's what I was going to say. If this was L.A., I'd bet it. But because yeah. it's New Jersey. New Jersey? I, I'm like, even New York, I could see. Yeah. But New Jersey, I don't know. It's forget it for me. Yeah. The beer is a session IPA with 5.4% alcohol content. Oh, wow. There we go. The, can, the cans are really cool. Jamie, check these out real quick if you if you can see this. So I'll tweet this out at BK Sports Talk on Twitter. The cans are pretty sweet. They've got like the old retro Astros logo on You just asked me to check out your cans. <laughs> I'm just checking. I mean, that's what how I they, heard. How they look, Riffs? He's like, hey, check out these cans. They're how fantastic. They 65780. I'm like, we're still talking beer here, right? It's the Air Comfort Service text Are the cans made out of recycled garbage? Uh, are they real cans? Yeah, are they real? Yeah. Better not forget it. 
I think they probably got implants they, at least. Better to forget it. BK eventually okay. learns how to change a tire. Better to forget it. Forget it. There's no chance. There is no chance. I'm going to give you credit, BK. I think you can bet it, but you got you to want to learn. YouTube can teach you anything. I took apart a washing machine and put it back together what? because of YouTube. Yeah. Broke and I fixed it. Washing machine. Okay, but we've already oven. established that you've okay, changed well, a tire on the side of the road. But I'm so saying, it's not really fair. I got to get into credit. this mindset real quick because I, I just can't imagine what would have to be going on for me to say, you know what? The washing machine is broken. I'm going to be the one to fix it by taking it completely apart and putting it back together. Well, BK, we, we all don't have, you know, timeshares in Orlando to go to Disney World okay. whenever we want. Okay. I mean, some of us don't have money to drop for a new washing machine. You got to just get in there That's and a good point break it down and put them back together. You seen the size of the did diamonds it, it in his ears? That's oh, true. This guy's rolling. It man. did work. Yeah, it did. You, put wow. it, you took it apart, put it back together, and it worked. How long did this take you? Uh, a couple hours. It's, oh, yeah. it's been done, BK. It's, it's it was been done. legitimately taken apart and then put back together because for some reason it was making weird noises inside and we found out there was a uh, little piece that came loose. Mm. Took it all apart, put it back together. There you go. Yeah. And I, I saved myself 600 bucks. Oh, it was 600 bucks? Yeah. That would have been out 600 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I take it back. Forget it on the tire. You're done, BK. This is what I've got AAA for, You're right? done, BK. Like, I pay for the service. I might as well use AAA. That's why I said it's a forget it for me. Yeah, you'll, you'll never feel the need to have to do it, so therefore, you won't do I it. gave you the benefit, BK, yeah. and you took it away from me. Nope. Ain't happening. Yep. Sorry, Final buddy. bet it or forget Get it. Better to forget it. The Rizzuto show is going to absolutely crush the fast lane. Forget it. Get that. Are you kidding me? Get out of here. Crush. No chance. No chance in hell. The Rizzuto show has no chance against the fast lane. You've got you've got Jamie Rivers involved in this now. Do they? They've got two former pro athletes on this team. Two of them. Not one, but two former pro athletes on the fast lane. I think Stalter was a pro rec softball league player, so. Yeah, you're three. He's an athlete. Just, it's three. My boy Stalt. Meat's a pro food contest eater. I've watched him. Meat can do it. Now, right? we, we right? got Ronge. Oh. oh, never mind. I just All learned. Right. Sorry about that. I just learned Mike Ryder beat meat drinking milkshakes, so. He, Mike Ryder beat Mike, meat? Yeah, while Mike Ryder beat milkshakes? meat. Yeah. While he was eating while he drinking was eating milkshakes. Drinking milkshakes. He, was, he beat meat. <laughs> it's a weird thing to do. Was, was it, it in right? public? It must have been a yeah. celebratory yeah. milkshake. Wasn't this at Crown Candy? Yeah, yeah. were people around, or did wow. they close the building for this? I mean, I guess the, the, the capacity is at yeah. least limited lately, yeah. so like, there's Nobody else wants to see that. Really shouldn't be beating meat in public. No. I mean, it's frowned upon. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not least. illegal. It's kind of like putting people in stands. It's not illegal. Not legal. It's just frowned, frowned upon. upon. Yeah. yeah. Be careful, though. Thanks a lot, Mike Ryder. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, current special assistant to the NHLPA executive director, Don Fear, Matthew Schneider is going to join us. Oh, and by the way, he happens to be Jamie Rivers' former teammate. Jamie's got a flu game of his own coming on today. I want to ask Matthew Schneider if he's had one of those in the NHL. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
Southside former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. Hoping to be joined by current special assistant to the NHLPA executive director, Don Fur, uh, Matthew Schneider. Hoping, hoping that he will join us shortly here on 101 ESPN. Jamie, before we do, uh, what is happening right now? Yowzer. Is that oh, no. a hockey stick that Ranji's just kind of sticking That might be an HR there? violation right there. Might be. He's he's taking a Ronge, hockey stick been... and trying to do something. Oh, up my leg. I, Chris <laughs> Ranji, apparently, guys, has <laughs> been drinking already today. So, just a little bit. Uh, so let's, t- let's talk about the NHL for a minute before we get into the conversation with Matthew Schneider. Um, Rivs, I was reading an article earlier today about phase two being optional and how some of these players might not necessarily return right away to their home cities. How, how much of an issue do you think there's going to be? How many hurdles do you think there are between where we are right now and ultimately actually getting back to play? Because the more I hear, I heard Joey Vitale yesterday. I've heard you talk about this. It seems like there are there's more to this than just getting everybody back and getting back onto the ice. Well, yeah, I mean, look, the the, the I think the hard part is kind of out of the way now is the discussion of what the format will look at look like. But the reality of it is that you know we still have a lot of hurdles to to cross here. We don't know how this is going to work for the play. It's hockey. It's a contact sport, right? So how does this work with COVID-19? How are we going to best be prepared for, you know, being in close proximity to other players on your team, in close proximity to other players that you're playing against? Um, and, and how are you going to practice? How how much time will you have to practice in, in these certain situations? Right now we have groups of six that are being okay to return to the ice on, what, the 15th of June. Yep. So there's definitely a lot to go here uh, before we get right into, you know, getting back on the ice. And we're going to talk it over with Matthew Schneider. He joins us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He was a 21-year NHL veteran, and a few of those years were with our own Jamie Rivers, so you know he was living tough through those. <laughs> He's currently the special assistant to the NHLPA executive director, Don Fear. Matthew Schneider joins us here on Ribs and BK. Matthew, how you doing today, man? I'm great, thanks. How you doing? Uh, we're doing okay. So, Schneids, let's start with this. What is, what are the hurdles that remain for the NHL to actually get back on the ice? We know that there's a return to play plan now, but what, what still remains in terms of the hurdles? Ooh, I don't know where to start or where to end on that one. There's still, there's still quite a few, as you can imagine. Um, you know, getting guys back into the back into the facilities, being able to get on the ice, that's the single most important thing uh, that we're focused on uh, in a safe environment, obviously. Uh, there's going to be an awful lot of testing involved, uh, you know, and uh, guys are going to be tested before they are allowed back into uh, their their home facilities uh, on a uh, two or three times a week basis every other day. Uh, eventually probably ramping up to every day if and when we can potentially get into um, get into the season training camps uh, in the bubble cities so to speak um, so you know what was announced this week with the uh, 2014 format uh, you know it's uh, in one sense it's uh, it's nice to get that out of the way it was about a month-long process that we went through with the league uh, but 
you know, that's, uh, that's assuming everything else falls into place. Uh, and phase three, which is the actual training camps, mandatory training camps. And then obviously moving from that phase into, uh, playing, playing games. Uh, so, I mean, there's a long way to go. There's no question about it. A lot of work to be done. Uh, but I, I think it was, uh, it was nice for everyone just to kind of get a sense. Okay. If we are able to come back, this is what it looks like. Hey, Schneids, look, it, no stranger to the process. You know, look, we went through a lot of stuff with the union and the owners in our playing days. But where you're at now and the, the relationship between the players' union and the owners, although we know it's never perfect, but how important is it right now to have been part of this with Donald Fear and the other player representatives to have kind of mended that relationship a little bit and be able to work together? When you look at some of the other sports right now, some of the things they're going through, how important is it for the union and the owners to have a strong partnership? Well, you know, it's it's extremely uh, important. There's no question. Uh, you know, Don Fierro always used to talk about this when he first came on board. Less so last uh, the last few years, but I mean, it's a it's a essentially a marriage that you can't get out of. You know, uh, PA's relationship with uh, with the league, and uh, regardless of uh, you know lockouts and strikes and labor disputes. Eventually, you have to come to an agreement if uh, the industry is going to get back. So uh, that's first and foremost. It's a relationship uh, born out of necessity. Um, on, on the relationship over the last year, uh, what I would say is, uh, you know, we, we've, we've been negotiating a potential extension uh, for the CBA for the last year. And in an environment that there really is not a lot of pressure to get it done, uh, the main uh, reason why Gary wanted to get this in place is because he's negotiating a new TV deal in the U.S. and he wanted to have some runway on the on the CBA. I think there are you know reasons on both sides that it makes sense uh, to talk about an extension. We've been talking about the Olympics in Beijing, the Olympics in 26, which would be in Italy, things of that nature, uh, three or four year extension. So there, these talks have been uh, extremely cordial, uh, collaborative, trying to understand each other's issues, which is something that you don't get in the context of collective bargaining when you have deadlines and strikes and lockouts. So these conversations over the last year have given us, I think, uh, a healthier understanding of the issues that each side is facing. And we've come to a lot of agreements, frankly, and that has given us an opportunity to continue those discussions. Now we have a whole other group of issues that get lumped into the same uh, discussions uh, when we talk about the return to play scenarios, guys playing after their contracts expire on June 30th. So it's kind of all got lumped in together, but does it give, does it give us a big assist in, in these discussions? Absolutely. And it's made life an awful lot easier, for sure. We're talking with Matthew Schneider. He's a special assistant to the NHLPA executive director, Don Fear. I, I wanted to ask you, Matthew, about negotiating that CBA and specifically what it's going to mean for the cap for next year. We know that that's still a negotiation between you and the league. Where are you guys on that right now? And where do you expect that? Where do you hope that it ends up being for next season, given the finances of how we're finishing the year? 
Uh, you know, that's something that we're, we're continually talking about. And so it's, uh, it's difficult to say where we'll end up, but, um, I, I, in all honesty, I can't really discuss it because we are negotiating over that now, but, you know, I, I mean, listen, we know, we know what happens, uh, when, when the cap, uh, doesn't grow or when it goes backwards, uh, it's not good for, it's not good for either side. Uh, but that's uh, that's the language in the CBA as it reads right now. The cap would go backwards next year, um, and so there, there are tough decisions uh, that that need to be made and need to, discussions that are going to be ongoing there. Uh, Schneids, I want to get back into the players a little bit here. Is you know putting myself in their shoes right now with this pandemic that's hitting, and you know certainly the expectations at this point are that they're going to get back to at least on the ice soon, or they hope to. But you guys talking to them all the time, what's their number one concern through all this? You know, never mind the money and, and some things like that. Maybe money is the number one concern, but you guys dealing with it. What are you hearing the most from the players? Uh, you know, I, I think the hardest thing for the guys, uh, and, and you live, you live through it when you're going through uncertain times. I think that's been the single most difficult thing for guys to deal with and to handle is that there just is no timeline. You know, it's all speculation. Everything's tentative. Uh, you know, we talk to guys that feel like they're overtraining feel like guys just uh, that haven't had access to any gym equipment or the ice that have had, you know, literally zero uh, ability to train other than, you know, uh, yoga classes with their teams or things like that. So, you know, guys are extremely anxious uh, due to due to the uncertainty, and you know, put aside the financial aspect. As a professional athlete, I mean, you're. You constantly know what your schedule is. I need to be here at this time. I need to be here this month, this week. Training camp opens. Here's the schedule. Here's our practice schedule. These are our days off. And all of that right now is completely up in the air. And that has been the single most difficult thing that I that I feel guys have really had to deal with. And um, you know, it, and there are no answers. There are no answers coming immediately. Uh, I, I think, you know, uh, there there was a bit of positivity coming out of our announcement to go to the 24-team format in the sense that, you know, it gave guys uh, a glimmer of hope. Okay, now, now I know what this looks like. If we can come back and play, now I know what this looks like. It helps. And, and every bit of certainty we can bring into the equation uh, it, it, it helps the guys a little bit, but I would say that's the toughest thing guys have to deal with. Last question that I have for you, Matthew, is we're talking to special assistant to the NHLPA executive director, Don Fear, Matthew Schneider, here on Rivs and BK. Uh, one thing that there's been a lot of talk of is whether or not families are going to be allowed to be in these bubbles with the players at the hotels, families, friends, whoever you want to include in that. Where do you stand on that part of what it's going to look like when these players do arrive wherever those bubble cities are? Yeah, so uh, it's a great question. And from the very beginning, that was one of our concerns uh, when we were talking about the bubble cities. Um, some of our guys, uh, a couple guys on the return to play committee and a couple guys, veterans that have been around for a long time, uh, had talked about the model that uh, we have a lot of players who played in the world championships. 
uh, uh, the model that's used there. Essentially, guys, when they start the, their training camps for the world championships and then uh, they roll into exhibition games and they're traveling and they get into the cities where the world championships are held, eventually their families join them towards the end of the tournament. And that's kind of where, where we've said we haven't had an agreement on that. We haven't had an we don't have agreements on the actual training camps, which would be phase three, and then what it looks like in these bubble cities. But conceptually, that's what we've been talking about with guys. So, you know, the first two or three rounds, guys would be there on their own, and then families would join. Obviously, you have teams being eliminated throughout the process, going down from 24 to 16 to eight teams. So introducing the families uh, later later into the uh, tournament, if you will, is something that we've been talking about, trying to minimize the number of days players would actually be away from uh, their immediate family. I don't foresee a scenario where we have friends coming into the bubble. I would say it would probably be restricted to immediate family. But again, that's something that we really haven't discussed uh, with, uh, with the league at this point. But conceptually, that's what we've been talking about. Last question that I've got for you, Schneider. I got to ask you about Jamie Rivers because, oh from what I understand, you were a roommate with with Rivers for at least a year. What was that experience? <laughs> what was that time in your life like being with this goofball each and every day that you got home? Well, you guys are just going to have to wait for my book because I have so <laughs> many stories on this guy uh, that, that I really that I really don't want to I don't want to spoil it at this point. So there's a you know, I, I would say there's a chapter reserved for, for Revs and, and all of my roommates, but there's actually two chapters on Revs. There's, there's the good one and the bad one. What's the best uh, story from the bad one? Uh, uh, we're not going. Uh, you know, there. we had we had a, we had a, we had an awesome time playing on a great team for a couple of years, and I, I'll tell you, we we just had a lot of fun in, in Detroit. And, uh, it was. I, I loved Riv, and the stories are endless. Uh, but I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you one quickly. This is, this is my favorite. He sat next to me, and, and uh, he sat next to me in, in our home rank at the Joe. And uh, I, Hanukkah arrived. And I, I don't know if uh, your viewers know this or listeners know this, but I, I am Jewish. Uh, Hanukkah, Hanukkah arrives the one year, and I start getting gifts in my stall every day. And I'm like, right out of the gate, I'm like, it's ribs, for sure, no question. <laughs> and and as each day went on, everybody on the team had me convinced that it wasn't him. And the final day, uh, day eight, I show up and it's an autographed picture of the ribs. Sure enough, it was him all along, but he, they strung it out pretty good. I'm sure what it, the way I just told it doesn't do it justice, but it was, uh, it, it was, it was one of the better rib stories. And, uh, part of, part of, uh, I'm sure what every guy on our team had a rib story, uh, that wouldn't be much different. So anyway. Well, uh, Snides, it was, was awesome being your teammate, brother. <laughs> it was awesome being your teammate. It was a lot of fun being roommates. There was lots of late-night room service and, and fine wine drank, and I appreciate that. And Matthew Schneider needs to know something. He's the guy, the one guy, who got me to start eating sushi. 
I wouldn't go near it before. And Schneids took me out, took me under his wing. He says, I got you, Riv. And we go out to Nobu, I believe it was, in Dallas. And he just said, let me order. And you just shut up and eat it. And I did. And after, since that point now, Schneids, I've been crushing it ever since, buddy. <laughs> I was actually back there, Riv, at the, the Winter Classic this year in Dallas. I was there for New Year's Eve. I remember it well. Well. <laughs> good times, brother. Good times, man. I really can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on here. I love what you're doing with the PA. It's so nice to have guys in there that care, that are taking care of the guys. And uh, you're doing a great job, man. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Rev. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. That's Matthew Schneider. He is the special assistant to the NHLPA Executive Director, Don Fear. He was a Stanley Cup champion, and he played in the damn league for 21 years. What an incredible career player, for him. Matthew Schneider joining us here on Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. thought there was a couple things there, Jamie. Uh, he said he doesn't think that the families will be there until the very end, which mm-hmm. I think is something relatively new. There's been a lot of talk about the negotiations that still have to happen there, but uh, that is certainly something relatively new. Also spoke pretty openly. Hey, they're negotiating a new CBA right now. They want to extend this thing for three or four years. They've talked about a new TV deal that could be implemented within that CBA and how that's all going to break down. So a few really interesting things there from Matthew Schneider. Appreciate him giving us the time today. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK. Coming up next, we'll cross things over with the fast lane. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, who decided he's going to take off eight minutes early today, I'm Brandon Kiley. It happens. But I didn't do anything. I just uh, put in my headphones on, and and BT and I were having a very, very solid conversation Indeed over here. Conversation, hard yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yes. It turned Big conversation, yeah. large conversation. It's fine. That's it <laughs> you know, funny. Per, per our conversation, which is going to have to stay behind the scenes, and I apologize. <laughs> it is what it is. But I look over at a screensaver over here, and I started seeing <laughs> you things. Started seeing <laughs> I was like, ah, is that is that the thing? And uh, basically anybody that uh, during quarantine has a messed up buddy who has been sent pictures uh, of something and someone, you know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. So we're crossing things over, of R. course, Wood. with uh, <laughs> Fastlane and Brad Thompson. Um, so are you guys going to do this thing with uh, with the Rizzuto show? I do this thing. Yeah, we're going to dominate this thing. Operation Domination. I, like, but what do they want to do? I don't get it. Like, Who This cares? is where I'm lost with it, right? Who cares at this point? I know. It's, I, trust me. I'm following blindly into battle. I don't mind. I'm there. But I'm just like, what are they? Like, Do you see their chin-ups today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did one. Um, <laughs> as a group, which was, I, I think that it's... The fact that they had a pull-up bar in general, I think that's good. Like, that, that is nice. There is an eye towards fitness. Now, I know Moon said that he did a couple. I, I didn't see him do any. Uh, I think he in, was jumping. I think that's video. what they were doing. They yeah. were like, I'll run cover while you jump up and down. I didn't really see what was going down. King Scott had a little bit, though. King Scott did a couple of pull-ups. You know what? Was he nice. would have been, sleeper. I would have liked the odds on that. Okay? You're a gambling guy. Yeah. The odds on that, if you looked over the crew at the Riz show, you'd be like, okay, setting the odds on this. Moon would probably be your favorite because you're like, okay, I think this guy's got it in him. As far as pull-ups? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then King Scott would have been, like, he would have been a value bet. I right? would have been second on the board, though. King Scott, to me, like, you look at him and like the hair throws you off, right? He's got yeah. the long arms. Yeah, you, know, you figure that's a that's a serious leverage. Lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, leverage, but it's also more ground to cover. Yeah, it's okay. So he's the wiry strong. Yeah. He's very weighty. He's uh, weighty. <laughs> look at him. <laughs> 
What are you? You're like thirty pull-ups at a time, right? When you do stuff, one arm. Yeah, I, I, I didn't yeah. want to rub it in there. Truth noses. be told, the last time I did a pull-up was in an NHL training camp, and we're doing the fitness testing, and they have you go jump up and then let yourself down slowly to where your arms are fully extended, and then they say, "Okay, go." <laughs> Well, my shoulder popped out. No, oh I'm not God. even kidding. It was like, boom. Is this bad? And they're like, go. I'm like, to the IR. Yeah. Did you do the physical already? Was the physical portion of it, it done? It was already done, yeah. yeah. Well, that's nice. They should have picked that up, eh? I would think. I think there should be a lawsuit. We're going to follow up ah, on that. Good point. Look, I, I paid for one of my own surgeries. I paid what? for my own Tommy John. Yeah, oh, was that with the I Royals? Did. Yeah, well, yeah, like, well, no, 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 technically wait, wait. not the Royals. No, no, no. I, I, uh, I got let go from the Royals. My elbow was hurting, but I didn't really tell them. And then Natural. I got picked up by the Astros, and it wasn't feeling great either. But I. Uh, uh, <laughs> long story short, I got let go by them too. <laughs> and my agent, my agent was like, "Hey, we could find you another job. Be honest with me, though. Are you healthy?" Because I don't want to burn too many bridges. Oh, are you healthy? Yeah, two of them are already was, currently on fire. Yeah, I, was yeah. like, I was like, Kevin, not really. Like, I don't, I don't feel very good. I've been eating Indusin like it's candy, and um, <laughs> I, I, I haven't had a solid poop in, in six years because I feel taking like so many anti-inflammatories. <laughs> no, I'm not great. So he's like, let me set you up with the doctor. I went to the doctor. I said, you need Tommy John, dude. <laughs> okay, but I had to pay for it on my own. Nobody. The, I tried to go back to the Astros. They said, screw that. They tried to put it on the Royals. Royals said it's the Cardinals' fault. Everybody. <laughs> we ain't paying for it. Wow. So, uh, yeah. That's good. Insurance. Awesome. Yeah, good, clean fun. Speaking of laughing. Sounds like fun. But I didn't do it doing a pull-up. No, that was me. That's that's yeah. uh, that's on me. Speaking of laughing at uh, the fast lane, our morning show's got to chill with this. Our morning show's got to relax. Yeah, how about our morning show? What, what's going Sliding on? Sliding down there back in that morning show. It's one show. thing for them. Like, that's fine. They're not our teammates. You guys are our brothers. Like we can't we can't have one oh one on one oh one crime. I don't understand what's going on here. I don't know what's going on either. And with Randy? What Randy's what your heck? former teammate. Like, talk to I think me it is. I think it's is him like deflecting his pain a little mm-hmm. bit. He miss oh. I was like, ah oh, man, I don't wanna be part of that. Like I wish I was here and could compete with the boys. Randy could do, you know, thirty, forty pull ups himself. Uh I think that's what it is. I think it's jealousy more than anything. So I'm trying not to get upset about it. It's hurting. Like I went home last night on my way home. I called my wife and I cried about it a little bit. Like full tears or just yeah. th- like uh, watering up. A she little. knew she uh, you know how it is like right when you're getting into something that, that is painful to you, somebody close to you knows and they can tell. My wife's mm. like What's wrong? It's Michael but, Scott yeah. driving back from yeah. Holly whenever he takes her out. But there's a pause sure. in your Great voice. Reference. Yeah. There's a pause in your voice that they recognize that. Fine. I'm fine. Yeah. There it and is. And then she was asked, asked and I got too. into it, and it was, I hurt a little bit. But I hope he doesn't mean these things, you know? That, that, that's the deal, because I'll tell you this. You, you might be uh, trying to mingle with your new friends in the morning. You want to be on a winning team? You want to stay on the winning team? Well, you might want to check your allegiance. That's all I'm going to say. What's coming up on the Fastlane BT? All kinds of good stuff. Uh, Well, uh, I don't know. To be honest, (laughs) I haven't really looked at this yet. Uh, We're going to hope there's baseball. Uh, We're going to talk about the fact that we're going to dominate everybody's faces in everything that we do. And look, we're going to have fun. It's a feel-good Friday. I love it. In the Fastlane. Yeah, so we're going to have a good time. It's Ribs and BK. I didn't do it the other way around. What do you got? You got something I noticed you got your caca on, right? But also, now... Meat isn't here today. Well, he's not. So I'm calling Meat out right now because you guys called him to the carpet yesterday saying, well, I want to see where your caca stuff went. I think he called in sick on purpose because mm. he doesn't have it anymore. You think he, you really think it? Yeah. No, no. 
Meat works in radio, and he got all of that stuff for free. <laughs> if it's free, it's me. He ain't getting rid of this stuff. All right. So, I yeah. thought I had him. Uh, no, I, I understand where you're going there. <laughs> he probably did call in sick just for the hell of it, but uh, I see what you're doing. Hey, that's Ribs and BK. The Fast Lane is coming up. And, uh, yeah, the Riz Show's taking shots. What are we going to do about it? I'll tell you. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.